If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to another episode of Remap Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and this is episode 26 for December 1st, 2023. Today we are joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Lapic. Hi. And Jenna Garcia. Hello. Uh, I do just have to get this off my chest. In the in when we were talking before the show, all time Patrick Klepek moment mm-hmm. in which he theorized that L.A. to San Antonio was what an eight hour drive, and I just wanted to like <laughs> wow. stand on my chair and applaud. Like that is some true American <laughs> geography. Okay, I'm sorry for my small banter offended you. <laughs> There's an entire state in there, isn't there? I didn't live yeah, in that it, part of the country. Like, I I've like might, never I, driven the Southwest. In, like, who gives a shit? In your, hey, I went to Bucky's and it was a fine establishment, okay? <laughs> you you bite your tongue. I got a burrito and three coffees for less than $5 in Texas. Hey, wow. well, I was is, like, this ain't bad living. That is something Patrick can get on board with. The yeah, dream is alive. I was like, oh, man. Um, yeah, in your defense, it might be... Eight hours to a part in Texas, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not sure because we were it in Texas like, a long time. It sounds like stream material, honestly. As, you just well, how, how can can Gee. I get out of uh, just open We haven't gone down. Drive you think this is? Yeah, we haven't gone down the GeoGuessr route yet, but we're getting there now. <laughs> but I bought a I bought a Bucky. His holiday Bucky. He's got like Santa's beard. <laughs> oh my That's god! Fantastic. And a little sweater. Amazing. And I put him on the dash for the rest of the drive until eventually Okay, no, that's a Santa beer, but he looks rabid. I'm just <laughs> no, going to say, he looks okay, rabid. Here's the, here's the thing. Foaming at the Bucky, mouth. a thousand percent there are kids who are afraid of Bucky. There's no way that that's not a fo- And I think Bucky, one I like Bucky. one of those mascots for sure. Yeah, he's cute, but he's also, he's a little, it's the teeth mm. is the thing. Uh-huh. He's a little scary. Yeah. A little mm. dangerous. Your, your mascot should have a little edge, right? It's the like- FNAF effect is the thing. <laughs> Chester Cheetah, you always have the Chester Cheetah. You always have the sense that he could just snap at any moment, right? Really? Like oh, he's, yeah. he's all friendly, but like he's on the edge. Yeah. You know? If he doesn't get I those was, Cheetos, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, have you seen that McDonald's is opening off a spinoff restaurant? Um, no. You have to be kidding the, me. This sounds like uh, Coke too. Is it no grimace based? Max C's, I think, is what. Maxi's. Oh, that's just a re. That's just a bad rebrand. What do you mean spinoff? Maxi's. <laughs> no, oh, cos cosmics. C O S. Capital M C. It's sort of irrelevant. Like I, they haven't said what this restaurant's going to be. The first one is actually opening in like 
Bloomington or something like that, Rob. Like it's actually like oh, remarkably shit. another close place to me. we have to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, but it it uh, in announcing this, I was re- like reading through some thread in which. Uh, people were pointing out like McDonald's doesn't have this anymore. They they uh, have indoor play places mm-hmm. where yeah. like there are slides and spots where you can take your food. Um, that's in not every McDonald's, but like feels like every other McDonald's has has one of those. But McDonald's used to have outdoor playgrounds mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the outdoor playground equipment was terrifying. I don't know if any of you spent like any time on it in your youth. It was I awesome. To- I remember it being like <laughs> it was just an incredible place of like rope mazes and ball pits. I need to find specifically That might be the inside though, one that you're thinking um, of. I don't remember. Like, it, no, it was definitely outside, but it was inside like a out exterior cage. Yeah. So there are, oh, no, I don't know what this is. There are a couple of these I want to okay, I've never I seen p- this. <laughs> There's a couple of these I want to point you towards uh, in in particular. Sure, you asked the octopus man um, uh, that is seems like a slightly creepy cage that, as you said earlier, Jen, like that, that would be in a Five Nights at Freddy movie for all I know. Literally, I, I wanna, it looks like what if you took Grimace by the like underbelly oh and God. ripped up his yeah. skin and yeah, under like it, it was it does. just it his skeleton. Like, it looks like Grimace was disemboweled and then like shredded. Yeah. <laughs> So it gets it gets a little more I think uh, more upsetting uh, the further you go. Now you can see these a little bit off in the distance. You can see the burgers and uh-huh. I forget what the the cop is called in the in the in the McDonald's verse. But th- this is this is his one. Um, oh, it's just a children's right? jail cell. Oh no! Like, you'll you'll notice uh, you've got you've got the burgers. You know you've got the patties. You've got the buns. You got the cute little cop hat on the top. And then like but the size in which. There's not much space for the kids to get around in there. Like, yeah. nobody's standing up. Um, oh, here's great. This is actual shot of Oh, children. I found his name. It's Officer Big Mac. Is that actually wow. what the fuck it is? Yeah. According to fandom.com. Is that why he's got the, like, London-style uh, That top sounds hat. right. He's, like, a sheriff in London it, or some shit. includes Officer Big Mac. He does yeah, not like that. I don't like his face. <laughs> Ah, what the fuck was that? What is that? Uh, I mean, uh, that's the ham- Jimmy Savile as <laughs> Hamburglar. <laughs> this is the the, the Hamburglar uh, swing set uh, in which the swing. He almost has a. It's a very like a uh, Beetlejuice esque uh, look, like kind of a like when Beetlejuice yeah, his arm stretches out in that film. Um, this his f- arms are stretched out, and then the swings are coming down from his outstretched mm-hmm. uh, black and white patterned arms. This first photo that you put there, it's like an obviously an older version. Uh, just the fact that it is an old photo made it infinitely creepier. But also the mm-hmm. fact that there's a fucking tree with a face on it in the background that just jump scared me a second time after I was looking around. What? Where did you even find this image? <laughs> I hate well, it. Well, it was a lot of, it would be when McDonald's, like, uh, underneath a news article, like, on yeah. Reddit, like, talking about this restaurant, people were like, yeah, remember how fucked up their playground was? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I do remember how fucked up their playground was. Um, but they don't, they don't exist anymore. And yet all the articles that I'm pulling these from are essentially news articles being like, you want to buy these pieces of old McDonald's playgrounds on, like, Facebook Marketplace? And what I'm thinking is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. And so, how do I get? How do I get, uh, get Jackson Bones some friends? So, yeah, oh my God, it would have been naturally going uh, in the in the, the front bone, yard, the bone zone. Uh, <laughs> that's, no, but Tato, I do not call a children's <laughs> playground 
Not uh, in my no, house, no, the bone zone. No, the area where Jackson Bones lives is the bone uh, okay, zone. Come on. All right. mm. hey, point anyways. <laughs> anyway, Patrick needs creepy uh, decommissioned McDonald's equipment. <laughs> and that is a reminder that we are a listener-supported show. If you enjoy Remap Radio and wish to become a, a supporter, you can l- learn more at remapradio.com. Our website has links to our memorable page where you can sign up for monthly or annual plans to give you access to exclusive Remap content and help keep Patrick... In the creepy lawn decorations. Thank you. Thank you. If anyone has any, um, yeah, can point me in the direction of any. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to buy <laughs> remap.com, but maybe, maybe we can buy one of these things. <laughs> somebody, somebody did, well, somebody wrote in, uh-huh. uh, and apparently the dot radio domains are for like radio stations, people doing like Fuck actual off. broadcasting. So, gang. <laughs> How much could a transmitter cost? <laughs> nah. oh, an FCC God. license. Let's go. Let's okay. fucking go. Oh, I'm like man. this. Cl- I was this close to getting into that shit, you know. Like <laughs> now's the time. I become a ham radio operator and also get an FCC license. No, fuck just it. Fuck our, it. Pirate radio. Come on. Having our podcast <laughs> just on all the time okay. on some obscure little thing. Oh, no, but that is literally hilarious. the plot of King of the Hill, where Dale did the 24 hour radio for like a few days. And was just <laughs> going until eventually he had to shut himself down. Look, but he didn't have the license. Right. If he did, he would have died in that studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, Giant Bomb had their like Giant Bomb Infinity stream uh, where it's just like old Giant Bomb on fucking loop over there. This is what it's we do. It's still going, but, I think. Yeah, yeah it's um, still but happening. Like, yeah, do that on like a piece of hardware that lives underneath Kato's desk. Exactly. Broadcasting <laughs> a, a radio I'm signal. Broadcasting old episodes of all of it. Waypoint and remap, just all. They can't stop us. What are they do? Where? Why, who's down? Yeah, Vice is definitely in a place to be litigious against anyone right now, right? <laughs> so let's do test they the waters. Still? Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how far we can go. Oh. Uh, so I wanted to speaking of like testing the waters. Uh, okay, one of the urges I think in in our line of work, you have to learn to resist is responding to what people are saying about you in spaces that are not intended to be part of a direct dialogue (laughs) between audience and creator. Uh, You you know, frequently it's not even a good idea to respond when people tag you or send you an email that annoys you, but yeah, we're all human. We we all lapse sometimes. Uh, I feel like the more notoriety you might have, the less you can make a habit of just materializing in places where people are trying to talk about you and, and not actually talk with you or at you um but human frailty you see people break these guidelines uh, all the time i guess what i'm less accustomed to saying is major companies break these rules like bethesda has apparently started doing um so you we were doing we did a bit of show prep on this to, to look over these some of these news stories do i get a chance to look at the replies bethesda uh is like leaving to steam user reviews uh, I, 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 Rob, uh, the, the fact that um, some of the planets on Starfield are empty is just like when the astronauts went to the moon and found that the moon was empty. And I just don't understand how you're not seeing the one-to-one. I think that is just a direct line uh, right there. Um, I like that that's a, that's a quote within this response, too. Somebody's, they, they implied somebody said that. Maybe they asked a dev, but they didn't want to dox which dev said it. I don't know, but it's very funny that it's quoted out. When the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how, 
a high level, what's going on is, I mean, you're right, uh, Rob, uh, in our specific line of work, like you should not necessarily respond to somebody like talking shit at you because you like found them saying something about you in a like a Reddit but like post or something like that. Like just leave it alone. Let people talk in their spaces. Uh, it's going to come to the territory. Um, what's what unique here is um, so developers responding to Steam reviews is not new. And in fact, actually, it's become like borderline industry standard that one of the best things you can do to flip a review from negative to at least neutral is remind somebody that there's a person on the other side of that of that game, and so it is actually fairly common now for developers, usually on but usually on the smaller side, where the the like having mixed positive, overwhelmingly positive, like those metrics are so, like it cannot be overstated how much those numbers and metrics matter. Uh, relevant to a game's long tail success. There's a reason you'll see developers on social media constantly being like, and we're like three reviews away from like overwhelmingly positive. It changes how Steam like ranks you and promotes you. Um, But that makes sense for like a smaller developer in which like every sale can count in which like you're building momentum to the next project. You know, Bethesda, like these big developers sort of exist in their sort of a different space. And so what's, what's fascinating here is less that they're, it's honestly less that they're responding. I wouldn't be shocked if more like AAA developers got into the business of like responding to negative reviews um, as we've like hit a, a world where more and more like the era of having a proprietary launcher is ending and everyone has just settled back where we began, which is, well, can you get a deal from Epic for a bunch of free money? No. OK, well, then I guess we're just on Steam, um, which is like where we're ending up even as like Battle.net dies. It's it's as you put it, it's. The responses themselves, it's one thing for like Bethesda to come in and say, like, hey, sorry, didn't have a great time with the game. Like, here are some of the goals we were going for. Like, hopefully here's a link to a content roadmap. Right. Like, here's the latest patch. We got a lot of plans for the future. But like, I I tend to sort of get where people are are saying, like, feels a little bit like gaslighting to say, like, actually, the moon was empty, too. So shut the fuck up about our (laughs) empty planet. There's a lot of peevish argumentativeness in these responses. Uh, Yeah, there's one thing by to to saying, like, to trying to. There's a there's a the phrasing is that what gets me right. It's like it was it's it's actually not. But that's not boring, right? Like, directly countering the thing that people are saying that is an opinion, right? It's just like, you're thinking about this game wrong. There's there's another thing about being like, look, we're sorry for the bugs. There's patches coming. We're going to fix this or things are going to change in the future and trying to make those sorts of promises. But the, like, you're just engaging with this game incorrectly and therefore that's why you think it's boring is kind of where it, like, steps to a new level for me. Yeah, I feel like um the issue, like what makes this different than what you're describing, Kato, is it's sort of offering like how you can enjoy the game when like that wasn't asked of the review. Like the review is just meant to talk about, you know, what they thought of the game. Um, and obviously people can take those things too far, too. There's definitely reviews that I think do get rude and do get personal. But the sense you kind of get from the screenshotted responses that have been floating around on social media is it's more about the person at what is this Bethesda support customer support sort of taking that and being like okay how can I how can I like make you enjoy the game and that's not really again other than actual performance stuff bugs patches maybe additional content that's coming that's asked for that's not really 
a thing that's going to happen or a thing that the reviewer asked for, right? Like responding to people and saying like, try creating a new character. Like, you know, it's one thing to hear that from my peers, but to hear from Bethesda's support, it's a little bit different um, in a, in a kind of awkward way, I think. Can I please read? Um, so in, in looking at some of this, someone pointed to some of Bethesda's other uh, customer support uh, um, adventures in the past. Um, I want to, so when Fallout 76 came out, this is from a, Allegra Frank and a, and a Polygon piece from from 2018, so a number of years back, but certainly in the area that, that Fallout 76, I don't think was particularly like it had an audience, but that audience was like pretty mad and hostile and and wanted the game to be better, and the game seems to be in a better place. And some folks were using third party software to cheat, and sometimes they were using it for mods because I don't think you can disconnect Bethesda from like the modding community. It's like really intrinsic and is probably. To contribute partially why Starfield is having trouble getting traction is the lack of, of, of like that being fully integrated. Anyway, so some people got banned, um, and um, uh, some of them started getting emails from Bethesda customer support that said, "quote If you would like to appeal this account closure, we would be willing to accept an essay on why the use of third-party cheat software is detrimental to an online game community for our management team to review." Uh, <laughs> Wow. And apparently they Im- Im- immediately Bethesda stopped. has scoured the country for the world's most passive-aggressive substitute teachers. <laughs> They've assembled an A-team strike force of customer support personnel. Oh. Wow. I mean, there is... It, lots of people... You know what years. you did. But <laughs> Sincerely, Bethesda customer support. Uh, I, You know... Members, uh, many members of the media have uh, experienced the prickly nature of of Bethesda as uh, a studio over over the years. And you read something like this, and it's like, well, maybe that's just like a studio culture <laughs> thing at a at a certain point. I don't think these uh, responses on Steam are are necessarily prickly, but they do seem like you're talking off your back foot. Where it's like, well, I know you don't like the game. They seem prickly. To me, they seem prickly. I think it's the nicest version of being prickly. Um, Because, like, I mean, the the quotes that are getting highlighted are, that's not the entirety of the response, right? Like, some of these begin with, thank you for taking the time to provide a review, and we are sorry to hear that you were disappointed uh, with encountering many loading screens while playing. Now, where this should end is that, which is acknowledge, like, like, the issue, like, acknowledge they were disappointed, Thanks for taking the time to write it. And then include a link. Mm. But then they write, while there may be loading screens in between fast traveling, just consider the amount of data for the expansive gameplay that is procedurally generated to load flawlessly in under three seconds. We believe that short this shortcoming will not hinder our players from getting lost in the world we created. And like that's where yep. it gets prickly, right? Like mm. I think that's, it's that's just totally- a hop, skip, and a jump from, you know what? I'd love to see you code this together. <laughs> hey. Tell you what, show send us send us a build where you eliminate those loading times. Right, we'll be happy to review and patch that right in. <laughs> there is definitely, yeah. There's that edge of like trying to explain why a thing exists. Of like, there's a technical limitation with how we've built this game. Right, but like, the, that, it's that extra like voiciness that's meant to make it softer that actually ends up reading a little bit like like uh to me a little like backhanded almost just like 
obviously you didn't think of this dummy like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. this is this is obviously why it had to be this way or whatever yeah, it's not but... linking to a gdc talk that's like hey here's how we built the world and like here's why it functions the way it does like sorry that you know you found it to be frustrating like right like, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's instead. it's like an obvious attempt at like prodding enough to to change someone's mind which I think is where the, the 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 friction comes to, where it's like you can present information and like hope someone changes their minds based on the information you've given, but this has that extra little push of like, and thus you should change your mind in the actual text, right? Which is the the thing that I think a lot of uh, people seem to be, you know, reacting to. <laughs> I think it's also inadvertently, or maybe advertently i'm gonna assume the best and say inadvertently um dismissive <laughs> of the content of the reviews even right. in that line right. that was read again not like the meanest thing in the world but the we believe that shortcoming will not hinder our players from getting lost in the world we created it literally did like that is why the review is like you know what i mean like and i get what they're trying to convey like right. they felt that this was sort of the the right route to go at the end of the day and that it would make for a better game and i think you can say that without Again, it's kind of the the nuance of language of what's really being said here. Where when right. you start to unpack it, there are aspects that hit kind of funny. Um, where I think with another edit, and not to say they didn't edit it or have people look over it. I don't know if it's just one person in there. Probably not, right? I assume not. No, I, I it's I, I assume over time team, this is like yeah. a, a mixture of like <laughs> yeah. like prefab sort of responses that are then like pasted together based on the There's a supervisor leaning over the shoulder, looking at the monitor, like yeah. Send that right up their fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, obviously, this was a crafted statement, but I do think there's an easy edit here that makes this not a talking point that didn't end up happening. And so here Is we there, are. If the last time like that they were doing this apparently at scale was Fallout 76, mm. does this indicate something about like how they are overall feeling about like Starfield's reception and where that game is at. Like, does this happen when they're when they're riding high? Or is this something that crops up when mm. just in general, like, oh, this reception is not what we thought it was going to be? Yeah, I don't think we know. I mean, the, the company hasn't like Todd Howard hasn't really the most recent Todd Howard interview, as far as I can tell, was, you know, talking to Vanity Fair about like the television show. We'll get to that in a minute. In April. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's true. This has gotten caught. I mean, look. Starfield has been given a disproportionate amount of pressure as a project because it has been seen as like the skeleton key to unlock like Xbox as as like a successful like game production endeavor as they have struggled to put out uh, games like meaningfully near the output of Nintendo or Sony over really the past decade. Um, And so I think Starfield is a like I think Starfield is frankly like, Rob, there's a reason we stopped doing our diaries. Like, we never brought up the game after we got past, like, Dude, the embargo. Like, MK fell diaries. off that game, and she does not fall off Bethesda games. Like, she, right? like she is she is the person who's like, I love building the settlement. It, like, like she played a lot of Fallout 4, and did she like it nearly as much as any other Fallout game? Absolutely not, no. Uh, but it's still, like, you'd see the hooks that were in there really got her. Starfield... There was like an intense week and a half, two weeks, and then there was just a, I don't know, not gonna, just kind of done with it. Right, and so you combine that with the lack of sort of like award recognition, like the Game Awards sort of kicks off sort of the cycle of outlets beginning to nominate games and sort of crown games and and Starfield 
like really didn't like get a lot of recognition in in that regard and is, is unlikely to get too much because it wasn't nominated for for very much and given the fact that the game awards is voted on by a lot of the same like outlets like critics and bodies that like will that doesn't represent everybody in games criticism by by any means but it ends up representing the polygons and the IGNs of the of the world um you know it suggests that Starfield is not going to be some sort of critical darling at the end of the right. year either um and I, I really, I, I detest all of these headlines that are like the player count of Star. Like, yeah, that stuff has gotten really exceptionally gross to continue treating single player games like by the metrics of live service games. And yes, it's like funny that Skyrim like it has more concurrent players than a Starfield, but I think it's unfair to, I think it's an unfair comparison and ends up feeling like you're just exploiting the fact that people are pissing on Starfield for not lifting up for expectations and then just mining that for. Uh, like social media traffic because you can get a blue check and like make money off of just the most clickbaity stuff possible. And then it's also just mining like the, the worst possible uh, ways of talking about a game that ultimately has proved disappointing. But I, yeah, I, Rob, I don't, I don't think we know. I, I think you're right though. Like I do think broadly you probably don't see this sort of response. If the game, if they release Skyrim bo- today, I don't think you see Bethesda customer support being like lots of people love dragon shouting. Don't know what your deal is. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. And like Baldur's Gate sort of ate their lunch. Right. I mean, that is like yeah. this, this the story of a lot of games this year. But uh, I, Starfield probably does better absent Baldur's Gate three. Like if you just winked it out of existence and it came out in a, a different year because it ate up just so much like raw, like raw oxygen and discourse and interest. But I think it also, you put those games right next to each other. And while their, their ambitions uh, and even execution are so wildly different, they ultimately get at like the act of like being in a world. And I, like, I think you look at a, I didn't even play Baldur's Gate three, but I can't blame people for going. Uh, that's the game. Like I wish more like that than, than like this. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people ended up. Including someone like MK, who's got no fucking stake in the discourse over Starfield. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah. Fell off in the same way that a lot of, like, that we did that a lot of people seem to do. And I think that reflects a lot of people. Where, like, there doesn't seem to be a reason to stick around here. Some people get to 100 hours and get to that moment. You and I got to, you know, 25, 30 and arrived at the same moment. Something you were saying there about just, like, the little cottage industry of, like, journalism that sort of dances on the grave of games and uses all these like weird metrics to be like, this game is bombing. This is, this is a disaster. Um, it, it sort of reminded me, I was like, I, I've written a bit about this. Uh, I'll probably like run it in the next week, but um, so I had to like take time away from a bunch of stuff in the last month. And I just got back to Forza Motorsport. And when I came back, uh, they've been releasing like there's been new content dropping, you know, basically every week since since launch, uh, which is to be expected. When I come back, all of this content that released like since it came out has this little like expiration timer on it. Like better play this before it's gone. It's all single player content. It's all like here's here's a new here's a new racing series to drive. And there there are not that many in the core game. And they're like, you better better hurry and get this done. Uh and so I did. Um, I did. I was like, <laughs> do you get bonus XP or something, or is it literally just a FOMO thing of like this it's a bit particular of FOMO? But if you do, if you complete the set, they give you a car. Okay. That you yeah. can't get unless you complete the right. set. And I don't okay. know if that car's ever going to come back. So I was just like, 
I have to, sorry, <laughs> hold the phone, drop everything. I'm sitting on this couch six hours a day oh my racing cars uh, to get this Acura endurance car. But the thing that occurred to me is like, I kind of like on the one hand, like I kind of hate it that there's this whole like. Undeniably, I, I actually like having spent a bunch of time with Ford, uh, Forza Motorsport recently, I actually really do like that game. Um, you know, it's still it's moved closer into a dead heat with like uh, Gran Turismo 7 with me. I still think it's a less charming game, but like the driving and the racing is really fucking good in that game. It's like a racing game. It is terrific. It's one of those things where you're just sitting there and you're like, you know, just intrinsically, this is deeply rewarding. This is a lot of fun. Whether you're whether you're driving particularly well or not, you're like just the experience of doing all this and setting up your car and like you sort of tuning into the race. All of that is great. But then you log in and there's this like meta experience of like, hey, where you been? See the stuff? See all this content? See all these races? See, all this, see this car? It's going to go away. You better play this game like a lot, like right now. Play it. And I don't like that's not what I want from games. That's not like that's not what I come to a game for is to be like, like, motherfucker, like, look at my email inbox. Look at just the state of my life. That's everything. Everything has this feeling. And then it's like, ah, finally time to relax. And it's like, uh, hey, why haven't you responded to my last four emails? I put all these racing series out. Uh, where you been? And on the one hand, I hate that, but on the other hand, it like it totally works. Like, I was like, shit, I better, I better do some fucking racing. I'm going to backburner everything else. Sports and motorsport. I'm back, baby. Uh, you and me. But the other thing is, like, there's no reason a racing game should have to function this way. But, like, so many games now exist in this world where, like, if you're a if you're a game on, like, the live service model, if you are not winning, if you are not retaining audience... You're losing like that. The that the story is that the story becomes negative. Like, of course, after release, people just like fall off playing a racing game. It's there. You can play it when you want. You you know, you had your fill at the start and then it becomes a thing that goes on rotation. It's the nature of a hobby like that. But like so many genres now have this weird, like distorted. It's not enough that you'd be like, hey, that's a cool game. I'm enjoying playing that. That's going on rotation. I'm going to chip away at this over the coming months. Everything now is like is so tuned around this idea of like, we have to control your attention. We need to give, we need to put all these little hooks to like force you to come back to this. And, and kind of like when I see the way these things are covered, where, you know, a month out, when you see the natural churn of people being like other games are coming out, I want to do other things. It's the holidays. People are busy. And that gets covered as like, this game might sink Microsoft. (laughs) <laughs> this this is this is a studio killer, folks. A game and that came out in August in a year full of like three dozen games that could easily take a hundred to hundred and fifty hours of your time. People played another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like it's this weird thing where it's like because now everything is measured as if it's a new MMO with like player counts and such, yeah. and like. That shouldn't matter for a single player experience. Like, yeah, the player count is dropping. People have their fun and they leave. But it all gets covered as like it's a referendum on on how this is doing. So you can sort of play the who's up and who's down game. But the other thing is I think it contributes to, as we kind of see with a story like this, a toxifying relationship between studios and publishers and their audience. Because now it's not enough that people like, 
it, it is that Google reviews thing where it's like somebody can't just be like, yeah, I worked. I tried this out. It was OK. Wasn't as good as I hoped. Three out of five stars. It's fine. You can probably do better now. Like even Bethesda's got to show up and be like, we're going to respond to every single person who didn't have a great time. We're going to be we're going to be in those replies uh, trying to get those scores changed or trying to remind people, like you said, that there are people behind this game or fuck it. We'll just argue with them. But like, <laughs> it is no wonder that on the one hand, like people in these audiences continually, like if you're part of a game community, you're continually in this weird relationship where like you're being bombarded with here's new stuff that's coming, like stick around, like good stuff is coming. And then on the other hand, you're like constantly getting little explanations of we're working on the stuff you don't like uh, st- stick around. Like here's why that stuff sucks. And then you're, you've also got that like last part, which is, and maybe we'll change the stuff you do like, or maybe we'll take it away. Maybe we'll stop supporting this and this game will, will die. And so it's like, no wonder you get these like really weird, unhealthy, like codependent relationships between like audience and publisher where it's not enough to like the, the model should be like creative work is finished. It goes out in the world. People have their experience. They want with it. Like it exists you know, it's evaluated on the merits. Some people will like it. Some people won't. But now it's like even a company, Bethesda, is out there arguing like they're running a dry cleaning business on your block. <laughs> and that's weird. I, I think that's really well put. <laughs> it's, I don't know, we mentioned this before, but I also saw someone respond to that, uh, that thread, that original thread uh, about their kind of approach to some other thing they were working with um who was it tech uh who dying like people techland oh, techland yeah. um and they like moved the like needle on getting the game to overwhelmingly positive in the reviews by responding to people but they took the the sort of angle they took it was from a sort of cust- like customer support actually like answering questions and addressing issues rather than yeah. this other thing of like, we need to change every mind how by whatever means necessary that it feels like Bethesda is going down. And it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even then, I'm not sure someone being like, I, I think it's awesome. Somebody was able to like, say, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to like, if people are confused about what's going on in the game or they need help or they're having an issue, I'm going to go out and like address that. Right. That's cool. That's nice that, you, that like someone does that. I think it is weird that you feel like you have to, right? Like hitting that 95% positive, like that you got to go out and respond to all this stuff. Right. To me, that is that is a little bit weird because like it changes the stakes for someone. <laughs> like you know, some people are going to get confused in your big open world zombie game. It's going to happen. Yeah. But now it becomes like someone's problem where it's like now, you know, you got a different team getting support tickets for stuff and dealing with the ongoing development of game. And now you got people who are like treating just like customer reactions as like, this is the new form of support ticket. Right. That we well, yeah, but Rob, that's 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 a, that's a Steam issue, right? Yeah. It's because yeah. these reviews are not just reviews, right? Like there are there are there are there's a, a you know an arc that you're on, whether it's it's positive yeah. and like mixed and over. So by its very nature, like Steam itself like has created an environment that is like exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, all these things are working together to make like a particularly toxic stew that I think. Starfield in particular is just like especially like gnarly. I I I but I, it makes sense to me that you would have people who yeah, go see if you can turn that negative into a positive because over time like going from 
So whether there's positive and then overwhelmingly positive, is there something in between? I don't I don't know if mostly there's a, positive. A, a, yeah, mostly positive. Mostly positive. Like my guess is like the difference between mostly positive and overwhelmingly positive in terms of positioning and how you are filtered on the Steam store. Over time, however grindy it feels like you're in like the customer service minds, like the difference in terms of yeah. sales from from that you passively get from how Steam treats you is probably worth like bending over backwards. I think part of what we're all getting at here, maybe this is a way to close the loop, is this doesn't feel like bending over backwards, right? It doesn't feel it as though it is customer service going, we're sorry you had a bad time. How can we address that? What are ways that we can, like, here are things in the world that like, Maybe address like some of the issues you have. And then also here's a roadmap forward. And then the true test of that is like a no man's sky, which is like, just go do the fucking work. Like make the, like they spent years making the game better. Go make the game better. And that's like the best uh, weapon you have to actually turn the tide. And the only way you actually turn the tide is if both those work in concert. You can't just be nice to people and hope the review is going to change. Like no man's sky, uh, Dying Light to like the, these two examples, the reason you get to those that better mixture of of responses from and the reason people will want to change the reviews from negative to positive is if they have a good experience with customer service yeah. is then tied with a good experience with the game. And I think what we're seeing here is pretty mixed customer service. But also those customer service people are being handed a bag of shit. Yeah. And I don't think Starfield is a bag <laughs> of shit. Like, I, I want to be clear, like, I don't even think that game is bad. I just like. It's where I'm at with Bethesda yeah. games in general. Like it just, it didn't do much for me. Like I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in that game, and I I do intend to revisit it over the the, the coming holiday. But the tool set in front of those customer service people isn't robust. It's not like they have here's the next year. Here's how we're addressing like your problem, and here's the roadmap. And we hope you come back and change that review, and then you mark that down in an Excel sheet, and six months later you come back and like touch base with that person and be like, look, like look what's in the game now. Um, they don't really have that in, in front of them. And maybe that's coming because yeah. that eventually came for Fallout 76, but um, it's not here for, for Starfield. And so, uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's just a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you were underwhelmed by Starfield, but, um, you know, here at Remap, we live in mm. a state of just ironclad confidence and hope about the future. Uh, Dragon's mm. Dogma 2 has a release date, apparently. <laughs> March 21st. Now, this means very little to me. As you know, when I played a bit of Dragon's Dogma 1, uh, I was not here for the slaying of beautiful and rare monsters. I just, I'm just not about that life. I was like, do I have to kill these, these gorgeous mythical creatures? And people were like, you got to kill the shit out of them, and they're going to mm-hmm. die hard and die mm-hmm. mean. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry <laughs> to the people of this world. Uh, I'm not solving these problems. But I imagine a lot of you are going to be needing some of those permission slips for missing work or like <laughs> abandoning your spouse. Oh my god. To go to go uh, play Dragon's Dogma on March 21st. Bethesda did that for Starfield, Rob. That's oh, like shit. the last time I've seen one of those. Oh my god. It was like behind his last act at, at Bethesda. <laughs> oh, was to the tweet magic out is one best. of those. <laughs> uh yeah, Dragon's Dogma uh, 2 has a has a release date late March. Um very excited. I mean, Dragon's Dogma is a, as anyone that's listening to this probably knows, or if you, it's possible that you've, you've, you've joined along the way, but I mean, Dragon's Dogma is foundational to a lot of how, well, it's foundational to like Austin and I meeting um, and like becoming coworkers. It's like foundational to a lot of how we think about 
game design and what we find interesting uh, about games that take big swings. And uh, I don't even look. I really want Dragon's Dogma 2 to be good. If it's not, I'm kind of also okay with it because <laughs> I exist in a world in which Dragon's Dogma 2 got made. Resources were spent. Millions. <laughs> millions were spent building a game that I'm not sure that the spreadsheet says you should make. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know that Dragon's Dogma 2 is going to have an Elden Ring moment. And you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm just glad they made it. I hope it's spectacular. I hope it's fantastic. Like that would make nothing would make me happier. But uh, I'm I'm just a, uh, glad to be in the timeline that the waypoint was established in part because of a game like Dragon's Dogma, and then Remap comes along, like nipping at the heels of its first anniversary. If we're so lucky to make it that long, uh, with the the release of of Dragon's Dogma too. So that um. That brings me a lot of delight. Janet, do you have any do you have any history with Dragon's Dogma? Is that any is that ringing any any <laughs> any, any bells? Do you want to kill? Do you want to kill I, some <laughs> mythical creatures with us? It's all just silent in there for me. But mm-hmm. I oh, know of the you know the hype. Like I feel like Dragon's Dogma One is one of those games where I personally don't hear a lot about. There's not a lot of people in my circles that played it and loved it, but the people that did are like, you have no idea that this was the best thing that ever happened. And I'm like, I guess I don't. And I'm, I'm honestly a little scared with Dragon's Dogma 2 in the sense that um, it's something that I'd like to spend some time with and see what's up. But sometimes when you come into something later, it's like, actually, everyone already packed up and left. And this isn't like what it used to be or like the student, you know, like I, I will be curious to see how it shakes out. But I'm a little scared just in that regard. I feel like a lot of times I show up and like the party's already ended. And here I, I am. And people are like, original. why do you hate this? And I'm like, I I'm- don't know. I thought it was you told me it was good. I'm hoping the sequel is good because I think there's going to be a lot of, well, from weirdos, like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm one of those people that just, like, people are sitting around, like, having a sip, like, what's one of your favorite games? Everyone shares, like, quietly a game they really like. And then the Dragon's Dogma guys, like, won't stop talking to you about how interesting Dragon's Dogma 2 is. And, like, like just, just why don't you just go form your own little publication and talk mm. about it? And, like, I did. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, I found a way to to, to feel guilt-free oh, when so I Dragon's Dogma. this is your Dogma. stalker. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, yeah, but the problem was that, like, I found, like, a, someone I could be codependent with, with, like, yeah. Austin. It was just like, oh, no, 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 that's normal, Patrick. Like, you're right to feel this way. Um <laughs> It's the children, but I don't wrong. know that I would recommend people. Like I almost worry about recommending Dragon's Dogma at this point because we are so far away from that game that I worry it was eccentric and mm. like pushed against traditional expectations of game design for that style of game at the time. And now that stuff feels older and archaic by just the nature of it. Like you know, I don't, I don't know how Dragon's Dogma lands to somebody right. who's going. Damn, better go, you know, like when like a Dark Souls 2 is coming out, very reasonable to go back and play Dark Souls. Like that game, still great, still very appealing. You can see what people were were getting in it. I, I don't know if that's still the case with Dragon's Dogma. So I hope that Dragon's Dogma 2 is excellent so that that can be the window into like why were so many people like so kind of uh, charmed by what the original uh, game was doing. And there's, you know, I mean, fortunately, we don't have much time to to wait to figure figure that out. But I, I don't know how much I would recommend going back to that original game now. I just don't know how it how it hits for somebody that's uh, a newcomer. Um, I think it's... But, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to running 10 to 12 articles on uh, remapradio.com uh, <laughs> in the, like, early March to mid-April period as we really just, like, get into, like, the top 10 enemies 
of Dragon's oh Dogma. Um, the Dogma days, the, yeah. Uh, Tips and tricks. What is, what is the Dogma of Dragon's Dogma? Dragon's you know, we're taking dogma pitches explain, now. Yeah. Uh, reach out. Uh, let me know. Um, I want to start planning this months in advance, and uh, we're working on the budget. Um, so you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's I think it's funny that you bring up uh, Dark Souls in the same breath as this game because one of the things that I think this game requires more and I haven't played I, my furthest playthrough got like halfway through and then other things came up and was like I gotta I gotta put it down you, I enjoyed you didn't it want to go you didn't want to run you the, the game's lack of fast travel yeah um, that was that, fine like, I was enjoying my time is more like dark <laughs> it's more like this job forces you out of the, uh, playing an yeah, older yeah, game yeah, sometimes yeah. you know no, that's too it uh when I think back to like trying to uh get new people into like dark souls you you often have to explain like look you just got to put x amount of points into vigor so that you survive or like health mm-hmm. or whatever so that you survive and things like that and i think dragon's dogma could be good that way with but it requires more of those caveats i think right like don't go mage right don't go mage first you're not gonna have a good time if what you're expecting is an action game you're standing there waiting for the the, the fireball to uh uh, you know, and like I enjoyed that, but it's a very specific kind of feeling when people think like, "Oh, you can climb on the monsters and whack them with your sword," and that's kind of one of the fun and interesting bits about this game. If not my character, <laughs> yeah, right. Like- <laughs> no, I'm gonna stand back at the very back, as far as away, and stand there for like 15 seconds and cast a fireball because that's safe. <laughs> but it's like watching somebody like do a, like a magic build in a Souls game, right? Where right. it's like mm-hmm. you get this athletic like boom, dodge, roll, cut in, jam, 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 and then somebody else is like wind chime sound, yeah. something explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm like, I don't even want to walk in the room if I can avoid it. I'm like, can I open the door, get a hit in, and like close it again? You know? How yeah. long describing can we stretch it as, out? Describing it as a wind chime sound is the most devastating. <laughs> like, because he's not wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I, when Rob said that, I heard it. Like, I heard that in my brain. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, another thing we look forward to, perhaps. Uh, so Vandy Fair did a long preview of the Amazon Fallout series, which is debuting April 12th. As you'd expect, it's a pretty deferential and positive piece showcasing the pains and uh, the, the pains the creative team led by person of interest and Westworld uh, showrunner Jonathan Nolan have undertaken to make the TV show fit with the series and how Todd Howard and people at Bethesda have weighed into that uh, as well and made this TV series sort of fit in with the existing continuity of Fallout. Um, on the other hand, like this show has Michael Emerson and Walton Goggins both playing major roles in the show. So on balance, He's a ghoul. it probably is going Walton- to be the greatest show in history. <laughs> Walton Goggins is playing a fucking ghoul. Like it can't go wrong. Yeah. Like I'm going to watch the whole show for like, where's the ghoul? Where's the God where's man? The God like, man? Show me him. <laughs> Uh, I hope it goes like full Taylor Sheridan where it's like they just keep spinning off more Walton Goggins ghoul like (laughs) like shows where it's like in the world of Fallout lawman ghoul dude I I hope uh, I hope it's big mostly because I feel like like Walton Goggins is one of my favorite actors like and you're not even a justified guy right I watched the first couple of seasons and fell off for no good reason. Um, mm. But loved the first couple of seasons. Um, 
But all, my all-time favorite Walton Goggins role is a show I feel like almost nobody watches, but it's The Vice Righteous Princess? Gemstones. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you watched Righteous Gemstones? No, but I've seen, so I've seen the musical number uh, where he's just like made yes. of charisma. Yes. And I was like, I need to watch this show. It is, I, I think it's, it's, it is one of the best shows running on television. And it's one of my favorite shows, like top 20 ever. And Walton Goggins is just it's full of just like tremendous actors doing tremendous work, but he's just one of those. I'm hoping it's big because more people just need to know who Walton Goggins is. Like he's just so, uh, yeah, but vice Prince, vice principles. I watched the first season. I didn't watch the second season. Also not for a good reason. Uh, basically those are all like Joni Hill, uh, uh, joints, uh, that, um, uh, that he's done on HBO for, for a number of years. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this fallout show, especially given that, like uh, Westworld was good for one and a half seasons mm-hmm. um, before they decided to start writing the show in response to Reddit critiques. Uh, and I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means for the, the fallout show, uh, especially. What we're like, what is it covering time? It's, like, is it trying right? to, but isn't no a unique story. That sounds a lot like fallout one though. Yeah. Okay. This is what I was trying to but it's can- but it's canon with the show uh or, or, the, or the games rather yeah. but what is does canon mean from todd howard's perspective fallout 3 fallout new vegas mm-hmm. you know what i mean where could you essentially do a retelling of fallout 1 <laughs> where we're you know what i mean it's like most well, people haven't even played at this point people Which are like is fallout not- is bethesda fallout you can just do He's fallout not wrong. One. You're like, this like- is wild yeah, like, like that they're saying that now, the but they could eventually. Oh pull damn! Up. They don't let you get back in the vault. <laughs> what? What the fuck? <laughs> they're saying that now, but they could eventually pull a Halo and be like, "No, this is a different continuity. Don't worry about it." At the last, That's at true. the last minute, to distance themselves. I'm still waiting for Star Trek Discovery to pull that ripcord. <laughs> and you know what? This Spock does fuck. <laughs> How did we get here? Um, so, uh, I'll. Gosh, what do I need to watch this? I need Amazon Prime? Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime, which by video. that point, uh, I think will okay. have commercials. This is the other thing that Amazon what? Prime video is. Remember how it was like Amazon Prime, like you get Prime membership, and here's a bunch of free videos. Now, like, what if those videos had commercials? What if there was like Amazon Prime uh. Plus, where you get to keep all your commercial free Amazon Prime content, which is like weird video rental store plus our originals? Yeah, that could happen. I'll be interested to see. I guess I'll check this out. Um, I have only played a bit of Fallout 3 and I think a bit of 4, but they blend together. I know they're very different. Like someone, I don't know, people don't like 4. It's the one with the base building, right? Where you can like have a little. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, was. That's, where, I that's, was where I, that's where I fell off. With I was games. into. See, that's the thing. Like I was really into that. I only played a mm-hmm. few hours randomly where I would just play and I and people were like, why are you playing this very old game? And I'm like, why not? You know, but then I didn't finish it. <laughs> um, I love the base building stuff. I had like a basketball hoop in my driveway. I was making <laughs> I was like, who cares about all this other anything else going on? You can steal a can of beans. I had a fun time. Um, I don't know how this will play out. I guess I'll ch- I'm kind of I think also I'm a little there's something that drains me about like the video game other media cycle. I don't know what it is. Like even when it's good, I'm kind of like. What if this wasn't here? I think it's just that I, I consume so little of other media. Like I make so little time for like TVs and movies. It's like, okay, so now I'm giving up some TV time. That's really just game time in disguise. And I think that feels a little weird for me. Mm. But 
I I feel like I'll I feel like I'll check it out. I don't know. I still haven't seen the Sonic yeah. movie, and they're making like a third one of that, so maybe I should just I found the Sonic watch movie. Watch that instead. Yeah. Like Sonic's you know, fun. we like we were having some some rough times here in the last month, and we were like, yeah. we need to watch like one of the most like trivial things possible. And it delivered. <laughs> yeah. It absolutely delivered. It was like, do you just need like your brain to be actively emptied? Here you go. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yes, forever. Um, it's like this. I'm I'm running so slowly up here at this point. Everything's just bogged down. With right, and like it's not, it's like the Sonic movie is just like and we just form. need to get that gunk out. <laughs> oh, we are yeah. just gonna like pull the drain plug, and it's going to be like yes. I don't like this is just this is just colors. Look at look at that look at that goofy little Sonic man. He's sad. He's gonna run maybe real I'll, fast. Maybe I'll do it for the holiday break because I feel like that's a Christmassy movie. I don't know. Or I'll say this out. too. It was like a thing around me. Like Jim Carrey, yeah, is really fucking good. And I think sometimes yeah. it gets lost, at like <laughs> how good he was at doing Jim Carrey stuff in movies. Yeah. Uh, and like I'm, I'm, I'm this close to being like I need. Maybe I need to get on a little Jim Carrey Renaissance. Like watch Truman Show. Watch uh, what was shit. that? The Majestic or whatever. His little dramatic turn. Uh, uh, Eternal this is one Sunshine. Like this, no, no, no. So Eternal Sunshine is that. That is the go-to movie. There's another movie he made that was like a uh, period piece romance, uh, where he plays this dude that. who shows up in this small town. And he looks exactly like a guy who never came back from war- World War II, and just like ends up being that guy mm-hmm. because everyone seems to need him to be that guy emotionally. Wow. And uh, you know what? I remember it being better than you'd expect. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny because the, the, like if you if you look up social media clips of Jim Carrey these days, he's um. Well, just don't do that. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's not, oh, no. not like full. It's not like a anti-vax. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say. It. I don't want to say that in full okay. confidence. But he has some. Fringe opinions. Uh, let's like for some reason I have no idea how this started happening, but the algorithm on my Instagram, like in the reels section, just like kept resurfacing like a Jim Carrey fan account, but they weren't like want to see his fun clips from the mask, and it's like instead it's like here's like a clip of him being like like in an interview with Jimmy Kimmel talking for two and a half minutes about like the government in a way that like they just couldn't get him to shut the fuck up. And it wasn't like <laughs> insightful. It was just really awkward and weird. I'm like how, how did my algorithm start giving me these Jim Carrey fan accounts? But then I watched the video. That's the thing. Yep. Now, I'm getting, now I'm getting more Jim Carrey fan accounts. They're like, he loves it. He doesn't stop watching it. He even talked about it on his podcast. Your phone's listening to you right now. <laughs> the phone's listening to you, Patrick. Come on. You gotta be Shit. so careful with Instagram. Instagram's the most like, Oh, you're into this now. Here's yeah. All of it. Like right now I've trained it. It's like, hey, you want to see some poodles? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> but like you get an F1 Twitter, F1 Instagram, and like you're just a hop, skip and a jump from like just weird. Like here's like a million troll accounts or it's like, uh, hey, like, you know, here's F1 drivers. You want to see their girlfriends? And yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Is this like on your main page or are you guys going to the explore tab? Is that? The like explore, so explore is where they that, that's where they serve it up right where okay. it's like here's some things you've clicked on recently here's a populated gallery of like everything in that vein that we can think of but like you click a couple things in that vein they're just gonna start dropping into the main feed <laughs> okay that, they that, also that, yeah was, they also they they toss shit into uh stories now where like 
You get a, yes. a few, mm-hmm. a few. You get a few of your like the people you actually follow an ad, and then randomly like here's some reels we thought you might like. Go look at them. Look at them. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I done some story, and I had to look up a. Uh, this almost this finally got me to get like a burner account. Um, just to not keep screwing with my, like, I had to look up a couple of cosplayers, and so, like, I looked up their accounts, mm. like, scrolled through as, like, checking some information for a story, and then, yeah, like, like, then looked at my explore tab, was like, hey, you think, yeah, you think, you think chicks in, like, video game outfits are pretty fucking hot, man, like, <laughs> I, you, like, you want to see more of that shit? You, and I was like, I mean, I agree they're very attractive, but I don't need to see, like, 30 tiles of it. Like, something just clicking on other things to, like, ch- change the... A- How do I revert the algorithm to three days ago? Uh, anyway, the last thing I'll just say, like, <laughs> the Fallout TV show, the Vanity Fair piece, these 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 shots from the show look pretty cool. Like, I'm here for a Brotherhood of Steel airship doing Brotherhood of Steel. Like, if they create mm-hmm. that scene from Fallout 4 in the TV show justified like we no, that's did the it. other D- show he delivered god damn it Kata. <laughs> i just want to read this one quote from the piece prosthetics designer vincent van dyke that's right who worked on leonardo dicaprio's character in killers of the flower moon devised the look of the ghoul i need to be able to see walton in his performance he needs to look like a ghoul from the game and he needs to look kind of hot, <laughs> Nolan says. Oh, man. That last part turned out to be literally true. The last day, the first day we were shooting with Walton in makeup, he comes to set and I'm looking at him like, Walton, are you crying? <laughs> he, had ju- he just had sweat leaking out of the prosthetics under his eyes because it was so hot. Oh, no. I lo- Rob, look, I really mixed feelings on like Christopher Nolan's brother and Lisa Joy's like collaborations. You were not but a person of, of interest the- person. I actually think I well I love what's his face the guy from Lost and um but it's, it was too many episodes it was like a, like a, a CBS procedural it's a long that's running be eight. series and they ain't all bangers a, but once they when they get on a heater man person of interest <laughs> didn't is good. like the main actor he's off the oh Jim Caviezel or Caviezel Kiv- yeah yeah he's Jesus like completely Passion of the yeah. Christ he's yeah. lost his mind he became a total QAnon like okay. sicko oh, no. um, you just have to like just tune that out like. <laughs> And here's the other annoying thing. He's the centerpiece of that show, and he's, like, the weakest part because, like, all he is is, like, this really dour, like, charisma void at the center of the show. And they're going for, like, a Jack Reacher-type character, but then you watch the actual, like, Jack Reacher TV show, and it's, like, they they understand what it's all about. Like, Jack Rinker. Jack Rinker. (laughs) Jack Rinker. Jack Reacher, charismatic hunk, also on Amazon, eagerly awaiting season two of Jack Reacher. And, like, person of interest is going for that, but this dude is so, like, dull and annoying. Uh, it's, it's a real Is that bummer. the one with Jim from The Office? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Which one's that? I don't know. Hmm. Oh, uh... Tom Clancy, uh, the Jack uh, Ryan series. Jack Ryan. Also on it was, I was like, also there's a Amazon. name there that's, yeah, also on Amazon. Different, mm-hmm. okay, Jack Reacher. <laughs> Different. Jack. Uh, we got in far afield, but there, there is one last uh, news piece I, I just wanted to hit because uh, it was just an interesting Twitter thread uh, from No More Robert. Ro- no More Roberts. God damn it! My my I'm, I'm getting tongue twisted today. No More Robots founder Mike Rose talking about the release and early success of Spirity, a game they just published. Uh, there's there's two elements to the story, uh, and 
probably both are worth discussing. The first is, uh, you know, Rose's remarks about YouTubers and influencer marketing, which created or threatened to create a, a, a mild controversy until he, you know, kind of walked back some of what he said. The, the second, I think, and maybe more interesting part of this is his broader survey of what the release landscape looks like right now for indies. And, uh, it's kind of not what you might think. Patrick, can you unpack a little bit about this thread and what, what Spirity is about and, and like what Rose's takeaways from the launch were? Yeah, like Spirity like falls into like one of those uh, kind of cozy games. In a, in a, yeah, co- you would see it in the cozy uh, like shows, this uh, showcase. It's like a spirited um, away meets stardew is kind of the like which also was someone's youtube thumbnail so i didn't just come up with that but that's very yeah, much yeah. the discussion it's around like, what it is life sim management sim rpg like and it's it's like, i think they like specifically pitched it as like do you like stardew valley do you want another one of those uh and that's uh and and, and it's apparently like a well a really well made one of those like the game has been really well received by the by the folks who have, have played it and um yeah, like Mike's Mike has done. It's worth following uh, Mike on on social media. Mike has done a lot of really good. I've I've quoted Mike in pieces of mine in the past, and and Mike has done a lot of good good Twitter threads that essentially try to go behind the scenes on how do you market a game, what are some of the sticking points, like how do you make a game a success. Uh, talks very openly about how Game Pass has been really helpful to them and why it's been helpful, and that's that's part of this thread that is that is worth looking up. Um, uh, but the part that really kind of got people's attention was sort of the section um, uh, where Mike says, uh, a huge and noticeable thing that happened uh, during launch was that we got absolutely zero YouTube coverage at all. Go search Spirit on YouTube. And you'll see there's just a couple of big videos. Nearly every YouTuber who got back to us wanted money to make a video. Now, look, I get it. That's just how this works now. YouTube YouTubers want you to pay them to cover your games. All right, sure. But I just don't want to do that. It feels weird and icky and disingenuous, and I just uh, can't do it. So I guess our games won't get covered on YouTube anymore. Of course, the fact that we still managed a $1 million launch without any influencer support makes me think, quote, what could we have achieved if we pay some people? So maybe I'll be forced to do it in the future. But God, I just really don't want to. It's so fucking bleh. Uh, and I think the reason this caused so much uh, kind of anxiety discourse was because initially when this thread went out, if you check, if you looked at it, because the way Twitter works now is it's going to highlight blue check marks. And a lot of the folks that are, you know, again, I don't know how they categorize themselves, how they think of themselves, influencers, content creators, journalists, like I, I, critics, I don't know. But like a lot of the blue check mark people were really coming after Mike. And the a lot of the language was like not dissimilar to the language that we use on this show in regards to labor of like you're asking me to do work why shouldn't i get paid to do that work um and then i think a lot of the response from folks like us who like lived through gamergate have gone through endless cycles in which like each of us identifies differently in terms of how we view ourselves uh, whether it's like a reporter or a critic and what is the balance between those things in terms of we do our jobs but if like are constantly under threat and criticism and f- frequently, like actual, like overt death threats and and and, and things of that nature, uh, that you are being paid by game companies, you are you are paid off, you are shills, um, and so to have this split where a game developer is saying, "I can't get 
folks on YouTube to cover my game unless I pay them. And then folks in that ecosystem going, yeah, because we should be paid for our labor, then rubbed up right against a lot of folks who have grown up in the more traditional games coverage system going, we have been trained by our audience and by ourselves to hold ourselves to a standard where we're scared as shit to like accept a poster at an event because it might make it seem like we're not clean. Um, and those two just collided over and over right as Thanksgiving was about to kick <laughs> off. Like it was a great moment. Like I responded once or twice and was like, what am I doing? I need to, this is, I don't need to be doing this before a holiday, but that sort of sets the stage for a lot of this conflict I think is, is fundamentally between where a lot of, uh, popular YouTube, maybe Twitch creators, how they view themselves and their relationship with game companies and us who I think are on the like higher end of visibility in like games critics reporter circles and how we view our relationship with game companies. And essentially I think like some generational differences that go alongside that. I feel like there seem to be kind of two different, like, uh, two different things that jumped out at me kind of like looking through the, the, the responses to this, uh, thread. One is a lot of people, uh, kind of rubbing against the, like that free labor idea of just like, um, like how dare you ask people to do it for free. But as far as I understand it, it feels like they didn't. Like, the thread says that they had no YouTube coverage because people wanted payment, but they never asked them to actually, well, like, just do it anyways because that's how you should do things, right? Like, it, it's, right. A, it's a weird, like, thing of, like, no one said you had to do it for free. But even then, there's this very, you know, like, like Patrick was kind of pointing out, the difference, obviously, between, um, like what we consider ourselves as like uh you know journalists and where you get money from and where you like the differences like you know in, in marketing and stuff there's this idea like yes content creators should be able to make a living for the content that they make the source of that money should be the the platforms that are making money with their videos right like there's this there's disconnect about where like how the flow of money is working on these different platforms where like yes the content you are making is video game based i can see where you make the jump then then therefore i should be being paid by video game uh people to like even talk about their game but really the people making money monetizing your videos is youtube it's the platform those people are the ones that should be sending the money that they get from advertisers back to you not the other way around. And like YouTube has do, done this the like smallest amount possible. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. And then YouTube has done this like thing of like, well, it's free to make a platform and yada yada. Like they've they've done this trick to make the focus of content creators, especially specifically in the gaming community, like uh the focus of where they could be making the revenue be as advertisers for different games, right? And this person was kind of uh like, yeah, like there's that divide about like the understanding of what the like material flow of money is in this world where like now everyone, because it's like, it seems like a, a, val a, a, a possible, um, 
uh, avenue for a, a like solo career. More people are being like, fuck you, pay me. But they're saying fuck you to the wrong people. <laughs> you know, it's like. It, it's it's YouTube has played a, a, like a fabulous trick here, right? Like and it, it goes outside of video games, too, right? Like people, all sorts of influencers like expect to be paid for um from like the sources of the things that they advertise and see it as less advertisement more being paid for their labor right when their labor is being exploited by youtube more than it's being exploited by whatever they're talking about in the, in at any given time you know yeah i mean i think really with this conversation that the thread sort of evoked or the discourse that came out of it the sort of issue within the thread and even outside of the thread is just the blurred lines sometimes of like are you you know like a game critic a content creator an influencer are you like a content creator that sometimes does influencer marketing do you do influencer marketing but you don't do influencer stuff for a game because that's like there's like many layers to things because I think a lot of you know the reality of the game even the games media space is a lot of it's like hey this is sponsored by like whatever you know it's like okay that's yeah, that's a lot of how people monetize in different ways. And obviously there's other models and, you know, hybrid things. But I feel like in this thread, I think the disconnect, the initial disconnect was the, oh, well, people want, you know, money for this. And like, I guess they can if they're, if they're, you know, it's an influencer at marketing activation, then sure. But was it that or were they, was it like it was a PR reach out and the person said, because, you know, I, I think there's kind of, in a way, maybe a confusion on both sides to a degree, because I think it's fine if you're like, oh, I will only do this content specifically as like an influencer activation. But was that the case? Like, I don't really know that behind the scenes aspect of it. Um, so I feel like there's just a lack of, I think, clarity from a lot of people looking at this and realizing like what those different lines are and what those conversations might look like. Because, yeah, like if you're just asking for hey, here's our game. Like, are you interested in a review code? Like, that's not... Or a coverage code. That doesn't have any financial stuff tied to it pretty much ever versus, hey, we're looking to do, you know, sponsored streams or something like that is a pretty common occurrence. Um, you know, are you interested? And then they kind of give their pitch or whatever. Um, so I feel like that's kind of where everything got muddied. And I do think there's a lot of people that maybe do a mix of things, but maybe don't always have that be clear. So yeah, I think it's just honestly, there's, as the world evolves, there's new roles within the the wider industry in terms of like people who do things with video games, they make some form of content, whether it's like all these different avenues. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I don't think there's anything, I mean, if you don't want to do influencer marketing, I think that's totally valid. I think it's a a little maybe extreme to be grossed out by it. Like you could just not do it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. But I think it's fine to choose not to, Hey, we're not interested in influencer marketing or we are, whether you are, you aren't, there's plenty of PR firms that do, you know, a wide breadth of things. And like, I think there's also a lot of, it gets really blurry also just because behind the scenes, you never know like what you might be labeled as as a creator. Like for me, I'm a freelancer, so I'm independent. Sometimes I get put on the game's media list. Sometimes I get put on the influencer list. You know, both of those lists are basically the same list anyway, like the same like things that end up happening because usually it's not an influencer marketing thing. It's just like what bucket do they associate you with? Um, sometimes you don't have control over also what you get put as like sometimes you do. So there's like so many layers 
I think to it from the behind the scenes standpoint. But yeah, I think I definitely get the frustrations that can arise. And I think that is why a lot of times, unfortunately in our industry, I see a lot of, um, I feel like less now, but I've seen a lot of us versus them. There's like the people doing the hard hitting journalism and the people just making YouTube videos. And I think there is a truth that there's a difference between like a journalist reporter and, you know, these other avenues. Um, even myself, like I do, sometimes I'll do aspects of journalism with like interviews, but for the most part I'm doing criticism and that's most of yeah. what I do. And that's my focus. But um, yeah, I think clarifying lines and I don't know, a general respect for what people have going on. It might not be my bag and that might, it might be my interest, but I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you go about it in the right way. But I also think the reality is, unfortunately, there's especially in the outer beginning stages of our general field, there is a lot of unawareness and general lack of professionalism too. Yes. Um, I can definitely see, you know, in Mike Rose's defense, those email responses being not what I would say if I was, you know, in that position of, you can oh, almost actually, read the like, email that set him off. You can almost exactly. just see it. So I could see that frustration too, because unfortunately, like there is a lot of, um, I don't know, I whack people in the industry. Like, I'll just say, you know, like I, I joke that like to get in here, I'm like, just go and, and make it and do your stuff because there's so many, there's a lot of people making content, but a lot of people aren't good at, I think the communication and like, more nitty gritty professionalism of things. I mean, even in the responses here, like I was scrolling through and I saw one that was like, oh, well, it's because I'm not, you didn't reach out to me though. I would have done it, even though I'm also not doing YouTube now. I'm like, why is this a response that you wrote <laughs> in this thread? Mm. And, you know, those are a dime a dozen. So I can definitely see how we ended up getting here through this entire landscape. And there's a couple like, good key points which is it does sort of feel like there is an element of confusion about and i can see like possibly it, it is coming from some of the fact that like people who are responding to these queries who don't understand that there's a separation between like here's a code does this interest you and here's a pitch for influencer marketing uh, i know a lot of people whose job it is to like provide keys to media and influencers and the conver okay. the things they have to say about influencers are not generally positive in part because like the more established people obviously like they, they become pros at this they get very good at it and it's dealing like with dealing with any media outlet but you do get a lot of people who like first they get that like they are in that first rung of like they're like, my channel's really big. And it's not, but they've gotten that first taste of like, I am an audience and now I get on some lists and immediately, you know, start acting a little bit wild out there where it is like, uh, oh, well, you want me to look at this game? Well, uh, pay me. And they will just like, they'll take weird swings. They'll be really entitled about this stuff. And it really sets people on edge in PR or in the case like this, who are working behind the scenes, the publisher. Um, I do think like it, it does sort of seem like there were some some wires crossed there. Uh, I also think like to some of the point you were making, Kato, there's this element of th there's a lot of inefficiencies just built into like where this landscape is at. And part of it is that, yes, like YouTube doesn't totally like pay back the the, the value commensurate with what is provided is the, the nature of the way Google devalues ad markets. Uh, where everyone's sort of dependent on them, but also nobody is realizing the value of their labor that advertising would have brought in 15 years ago or whatever. I also think there's a broader um, 
there's too much stuff coming out for too few people to cover. And if you are on the like side of this that covers games, a huge amount of your time is just spent like sifting through pitches on stuff. And can you cover this? Can you do that? And nobody compensates you for, for, for that even, but it turns into a huge amount of your time where it is like, okay, who do I respond to? What are these? And your, your channels, like the P the communication channel channels to you are constantly being jammed with like, you know, pitches, please. Uh, and then of course the usual low quality, like, you know, hack PR firm stuff where it's like, we're going to send you, 20 PR emails a day about a game that like this is, there's no news about this game. Nobody would ever cover this in their right mind, but here's 20 emails a day because, you know, we can say we, we sent, you know, 20 communications. And so I also see, like, I understand how you get to this pressure of like, man, I need to recoup on all this stuff. Like I have like, you know, there's here I am. I've, I've got a slot open. There's probably like five or six games that I could cover. Which one is it going to be? I don't know. They all seem equally worthy. Which one's willing to pay me? Because uh, I'm equally interested. So, like, how do we how do we break the tie? I understand how you get there. There's there's a lot of like the nature of this thing is everyone is fighting for for coverage and for attention, and that also generates more taxes on the attention and time of people who are on the content creation side of all this. And so I do think it is one, it is one reason why you end up like with a lot of like grubby feeling interactions, which is people being like, I need to see return on this. Uh, and that's not an excuse for like crossing the wires where it's like, here's a game code. Does it interest you? And immediately coming back with, I want a bribe. That's a different thing, but I do understand how everyone like ends up on this like perpetual hustle thing where it is listen to just like, it is it, like this is how this is why you end up in a pay to play world, right? There's just there's just too much stuff for these channels to cover. Um, they're small operations. And so like suddenly everything starts being looked at as like a revenue raising opportunity. And I think it's gotten worse because the traditional media outlets that usually used to have like not only is there more content coming out, but there's fewer places to cover it uh, with like big staffs that can accommodate like lots of different pitches and like niche interests. And so there are fewer places that serve as like a release valve where like some coverage is generated and you get some placement in, you know, this or that outlet. Now it's like kind of a free for all for the declining number of like media outlets and then this like wild frontier of small to barely midsize, uh, you know, YouTube and Twitch channels. Uh, yeah, well, the, the last thing I'll just say that I did find interesting was just like, wow, the fact that Steam is basically <laughs> the notion of Steam is home of the indies. Donezo. Not oh, yeah. a thing. Anymore. That was an interesting part, too, for sure. Um, of the the thread pretty early on kicks off talking about um, I think it's like the third tweet that reads because uh, it talked about how for Steam, Xbox and Switch, Xbox and Switch were 80 percent of the revenue with Steam being the weakest platform. And then Rose writes, I think the reason for this is at least in part due to the way that Steam, the Steam store has evolved in the last couple of years compared to the console stores. Way more AAA publishers have started popping their stuff on Steam, having failed to make non-Steam PC platforms happen. So then kind of discussing how now yeah. a lot of the competition that you normally wouldn't have seen on there or they would have been on their own launcher. They're like, actually, no one likes the launcher. We're on Steam. Yep. Um, also, a 
inadvertently funny thing um, after that was mentioning um, he writes on console, the playing field remained pretty much the same. In fact, there's less AAA on Switch since the Switch can't really handle newer AAA. And I'm like, finally, the Switch's weakness for used for good. <laughs> um, but that is like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, you know, I still wish the Switch was just more powerful. Also, I hope you don't hear my caco and ham on this carpet over here two feet away. Um, <laughs> you know, but at least this can also be like a little bit of a home for indies. And I think even early on, that was very much as Switch's identity was like, oh, it's on my indie machine. And now that Steam Deck's mm -hmm. out, I'm like, actually, I have a new indie machine and the buttons are really luxurious and the battery dies really fast and I don't care. <laughs> um, so yeah, that shift is interesting. Um yeah. yeah, I mean it's tough out there getting getting your game um, seen and yeah. having it even have a chance whether or not like let alone the quality of the game too. So obviously, you know, threads it's, like this are I think super helpful for people just to get perspective and kind of understand the behind the scenes. Even if I don't know things were figured out along the way, but again, I think the stuff that Rose kind of got caught up in discourse wise, you know, hopefully, hopefully illuminated some some new stuff yeah. in the midst of what was a lot of noise predominantly, but I do think there were some, some good conversations, but definitely a lot of, uh, I think mixed messages from different people with very different perspectives. And for more, hopefully good conversations and a few mixed messages. Uh, we'll be back after a break. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar, you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, REMAP Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. 
and not just for dinner. They had breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factors less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Uh, Pat, who was just telling us that an electrician has showed up uh, at his place, which reminds me, I got an awesome, e- uh, got, uh, got an awesome piece of snail mail from Comcast the other day. Ooh, and the what? envelope said, "Prepare for outages." <laughs> wow! <laughs> which, in my line of work, is what you want to see from your ISP. Oh, you want God your ISP to just like send you a little note that's like, "Hey, you know the internet? Maybe not so much for you in the coming <laughs> weeks." Is it like, do you have like bad, like, is the cold front coming in? And they think no, that's going to No, so apparently things? it is. They're making, and I, I actually heard about this from a network technician who was out here like last year. Like, Let's fiber see. is coming closer and closer to Stop where it. I'm at. And, well, no, but like where there's fiber, lines get upgraded nearby prior oh. to fiber actually getting to the building. So like fiber is moving down some of the major streets around here better lines are being connected to some of the buildings by all accounts we are getting significant internet upgrades uh to this building but in the process of that uh some things might go wrong and i was like they'll let me know when when it's closer but in the meantime you know if you've got a landline you might need to call 911 don't expect to be able to do that either which doesn't oh. sound amazing <laughs> oh. uh, so you're living in a horror excuse film, me basically. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you probably got a cell phone, right? We we yeah. we, haven't, we haven't sold the landline in like a decade. Uh, and then I guess that's this, true. Yeah. this morning, I got I got an email from my condo board that's like, "Hey, good news, everybody! The roof repair is about to begin for the next six to eight weeks. You should, if you live on the top floor of the building, you know, above where my office is, and usually my recording." <laughs> space you should just prepare to hear people doing work on the roof and if you have things that might be sensitive to dust maybe throw some plastic sheeting over it because there's going to be a lot of dust now we expect (laughs) this will only take six to eight weeks but weather could change that and i'm like no shit weather can change it it's going to be december in new england (laughs) there's no way this is going to take eight weeks yeah oh god hey but did you you said fiber's coming, right? No, well, fiber's, fiber's coming nearby. Closer. Kato, fiber closer. is across the street from God me. God damn it. Like, th- this is my... Yeah, this how is, many like, years has it been across what? the street from you, Patrick? A year. A okay. year. Okay. It's been a year, and I haven't seen any any God movement across it. that street. <laughs> the good of our company. We needed to get there. Hey. Make cross the lines. No, it's fine. <laughs> Oddly enough, like I pay out the ass for Comcast internet, but like it has been like generally reliable. Like I guess I'll t- I'll, t- I'll take that. But I would, 
I would like the fiber. It's I, I, you know, I need someone to beam it across the street. Yeah. Put a little satellite on. Can I pay one of those neighbors? Has like, anyone made those like you know people used to steal cable? <laughs> oh. <laughs> steal fiber. <laughs> well, I know some. I know some people who have uh, like they'll pay for fiber and then like just like give it to their next door neighbor. Like it's like oh. the speed is is fast it's, enough that yeah. like whatever degradation <laughs> oh. happens to like the house next door is still faster you could and then pay cheaper. A guy to go up on the pole mm-hmm. and string like mm-hmm. just a Ethernet cable. Yeah. Like Cat Six yeah. cable just across give me a your cat house. Six across. That's I mean yeah. fiber doesn't even go that fast. Game You'll on. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally Two houses away. I guess the street counts as a house. Three houses away. Nah. Those lines are right there. Uh, so we've been playing some games. Uh, we had the the holiday the holiday breakup. We we all had uh, you know bountiful gaming and bountiful family time. Uh, for me, it was definitely a little more the the gaming. We only had a little bit of of, of, of family time. We had a, my my mother in law over and we watched a lot of sports. But me, I got. I got into some games. Nice. Uh, how and about you? Haven't y'all? played a lot of games lately, right? Like that has been. You know, this was kind of now. Admittedly, did Forza Horizon? Did Forza Motorsport? Like, was it all like <laughs> Motorsport? Yeah, it was like, hey, you know those games you're thinking about playing? I bet they don't have a time limited Acura in them. Mm. And I was like, shit, they don't. <laughs> okay. Like it's working. He loves the time limited Acura. We can give him wow. this in a different color, and it'll be back next Tuesday. A car is pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. They have like a special <laughs> race at the cool. end where it's like, "Hey, why don't you drive this new car?" And I was like, "I'm a god in this car." Hell yeah! Nobody can stop me in my Acura. <laughs> but what about y'all? What what were your uh, what were your big games of the break? Funnily enough, I played a lot of like during the actual break because I beat like four games since we last talked. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm in the era. I beat one. Oh. I beat Spider Man. That game came out mid October. <laughs> Hey, look, there was a pause that you could have taken, Patrick. All right. And I would have I would have I, I would have gladly let you go in there um, on the actual break. I was I did a lot of mobile games because I was in the I car. saw that you I saw you put out a tweet that, oh, I didn't realize there's an anticipation of the, the drive. But you were looking for mobile game recommendations. Yeah. I saw that. And I, I downloaded Marvel Snap, but I haven't played it yet. But I'm going to because I'm tired of being like an inadvertent pick me, you know, being like, oh, I didn't play the most popular mobile game, you know, Um <laughs> I played Gubbins and I played Finity. And Gubbins is like a standalone. Um, It is made by, I want to say Studio Foley, but I might be butchering that a little bit. Um, And it's a word game. Um, You can just, it's free to play. Uh, You can get like a paid version for like, I think unlimited play or something for like five bucks. Um, I really liked it. So I bought like the deluxe sticker pack thing. And then immediately was like, I didn't really need to buy the deluxe sticker pack thing, but whatever. (laughs) It was like 10 bucks and Apple doesn't charge you for like two days. So I was feeling to drive away. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can get anything on here. Uh, who's to say what it is? Um, and yeah, it's real. It's honestly a pretty classic kind of Scrabble-esque word game. But the difference is when you place um, down words, like you kind of swipe across them to sort of submit them. Like, oh, I made a word. So you do have like, there's cross-stick functionality but you wouldn't be you don't get any benefit from like having a cross like you can only submit one word so if you like connected them well then you'd be missing a letter you know when you swipe across um and that's basically it um the dailies sometimes have um you know funky additional like almost like preset placements in them um 
yeah, Studio Folly. I don't know if it's if that's the pronunciation of it. Um, and yeah, it's really cute. It has like a nice art style that feels like the more interesting version of what's that um, terrible, very like millennial startup art style where it's flat and kind of, you know, everyone's kind of like hand cut out and it all looks the same. It's like every new app ever has an art style. <laughs> it's like that, but with personality. So it works. Um, there's a word for it, but. I felt like you were ge- like gearing up to describe something that Rob is like a huge fan of. Like, like, no, like, like really <laughs> shitty no. thing that I. God, what is it? It's like, uh, I don't know. Any, anyone who were like, if we had a, someone who coded here, we'd have that answer. <laughs> but Isaiah's in the kitchen, so I don't have that here. Um, and yeah, it's just really cute, really fun. Um, I've been enjoying that a lot. It's funny because, again, it's just on like your phone regular. Like you don't have to have like a barcade or something like that. Like a lot of mobile games I get into. So, um, you know, I started playing it. Um, my friend Mike started playing it and I'm like, yeah, add me on um, Apple Game Center where I have like no friends because it's Apple Game Center. Yeah. And I was like, how's your game? So I don't know. I'm trying to get into the the Game Center ecosystem. Like I adjusted my Memoji where I have like a cowboy hat on in there now and I'm nice. looking at my global ranks. Um, and then Finity is Apple Arcade. And I actually never played threes, but apparently it's like threes. If y'all are familiar with that, where yeah. it's a, a yeah. tile based game and you're just basically swiping to um, connect rows and then have them disappear. Um, and it's really quick, really fun. And that's basically it. I mean, you unlock like new gradients and patterns. It kind of um, the mechanics sort of build as you continue to go along where you'll have stuff like all the tiles are timed. So after a while, they become, you know, they'll have different properties. So at first you can move everything left and right. And then over time, like maybe one of the tiles sort of expires and it's like, now this can only move up and down. So you kind of, so basically you're playing until you can't do any more movements. And then, you know, additional, again, mechanics come into play where now I have it where I can unlock, you know, a tile I can place that'll like change the color. So it's like, okay, when I'm in a pinch, I can you know, swap this one to yellow and now I have three matching yellow and that kind of continues the game as they fall down. Um, One thing I really noticed digging into mobile games over the break is how incredibly good they are at the fastest tutorialization you will ever experience in your life because they have to be. So it's like, oh, how do I play this? Oh, it taught me already. Never mind. I'm good and I'm in it, Um, which is so different than I think um, the more traditional, you know, console PC space where Certainly, there are some games that have incredible tutorialization or that are easy to understand, but there, there are definitely games where it's, you know, oh, well, you need like a couple hours to really see like this is you need no time. But if it's a good enough game, you will spend hundreds of hours in it. And I feel like Finity and Gubbins are the ones I'm rolling with right now. And then, you know, I'll end it there. We can get to my 800 credits I've rolled in an attempt to feel better about myself. Come January. <laughs> I won't feel good, but I'll feel better than I did last week. And that's good enough for me. There's a surprising amount of decent stuff on Apple Arcade. Um, oh, like, yeah. I ended up getting that for, like, quote, free because we pay for, like, the Apple One subscription because that's essentially our fitness subscription. And it comes with every everything else. But it has a decent number of, like, excellent games. Uh, they do, like, they stopped, broadly stopped funding original games for Apple Arcade. There still are some, but mostly what they do now is just, like, pluck popular games usually a couple years old from the app store and then just bundle in all the microtransactions so you don't have to pay for anything you just download the thing and that the whole experience is there 
And it's wonderful for kids, especially because it's just a mystery box. Like when you download a game for a kid, well, it's not a mystery box. I know it's inside the fucking box. It's 900 different things to tap on that are trying to take another four or five dollars from me because they're all just meant to function like you're exiting a Disneyland ride. And it's like, like, why do you have to put the toys at eye level? Because they're going to grab it and then the kid's going to cry if you don't give it to them. So you have to buy it for them. And it's like the equivalent of anything <laughs> any mobile game directed at a child. And at least with the, like, it's actually kind of cool when we go on a, uh, like a flight or something, or, or like on a long travel trip, I'll go to the kids section and I can just download 15 games. And it's like, look, here's a bunch of brand new stuff. Like you're not going to like most of them, but you can open it, play with it for five minutes, see if it connects with you. And I don't have to worry about any additional asks after that. It's just like the game is just the game, which seems like that should be more simple than it is, but like, you know, that's not how gaming works. Well, anywhere these days, but especially on mobile where it can just be, I've opened this up and the experience is what it says it is. Um, there's not like a, a secret trap door for seven more dollars a month. So you are going to have to hit me with some recommendations because and Patrick this is going to annoy the shit out of you that I did this, but I mm-hmm, bought mm-hmm. an iPhone uh, and got a second phone line <clears throat> for business. Um, that's Rob. <laughs> Why would I be annoyed? I'm I'm proud of you for business. Getting for business. Some business account. That is that's that's thrifty Patrick out here. No, you're join me. I would have recommended uh, waiting a couple months and getting an iPad Mini. But you need if you need the phone line, then the phone, well, that was so the thing. Like, a, there's just there's now enough things that like the two factor is we need a phone number and we're not going to take your Google Voice number. So Correct. I can either use the number I use for everything or but like some things like Chase. There's like you can have one number attached to one account. And after that, it's like, that's what you use for that account. You can't, yeah. you can't do business through this other account using that number and you don't got another number. So I, I did the thing where I trooped out there. I went to the always sketchy feeling, uh, like a uh, mobile plan store where you go in and oh. it's just like, you feel like you're being cheated all the time, <laughs> just constantly. Um, are you a Mint Mobile customer? Are you uh, a Ryan Reynolds? Are you, did Ryan Reynolds charm you into a, a Mint Mobile I mean, are we, subscription? Are we, um, are we pro or against Mint Mobile? Because I love Mint Mobile. I've heard it's totally fine. Wait a second. Like, is like, Mint going away? Or is Mint Mobile different? No, Mint Mobile Mint is Mobile, different than Mint the finance thing yes. that, that I believe Kato loves. Though well, Mint I think got, Mint's being like, killed. Yeah. Mint got, um, I think, officially bought now by... They run their towers through T-Mobile, and I think T-Mobile now has actually bought them. Okay. So that's the difference. But yeah, I just got Ryan Reynolds' Christmas card literally yesterday. It came with a <laughs> phone. You can build. Yes, he sends one every year. I put it on my fridge with my next to my family. He's a good business person. I, yeah, I, I man. I mean, like hey, I pay so little for my phone now. So I don't... Then it works fine. That's all I, I need. I've meant to look into that. I, I we have just. Do you had need a, a referral thing. code, Patrick? Because I let me know. <laughs> I, don't go get. Shit, don't go get in that line without. Because this is the thing. I got screwed because the entire business model is poaching other people's business or getting mm-hmm. like referrals. But if you're like, if you show up and you're like, I am a new customer, I would like a phone and a phone line. They're like, boo. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what? You're gonna pay every dime you owe us. Uh, here's a contract, sign it in blood. And then you get home and it turns out they gave you a different thing than you said you were buying. Uh, this is like, I got home and like, I suddenly get this like, welcome to T-Mobile for business thing. And I'm like, but I told them I didn't want a business account. Like, I'm just a, I'm just a guy. I just need a regular account. T-Mobile for business 
has like weird authentication stuff that's like hard to get into. So I was like, okay, I'll create a login. And I ended up in this like Kafkaesque loop where I couldn't do it. I couldn't create any kind of login because uh, the guy had just been like, you know, that, that business account you didn't want. I gave it to you. And so, you know, had, had to spend part of Thanksgiving break on the phone with T-Mobile being like, uh, I really need to know, like, what plan did I end up getting? Because I don't think I don't think this is this is what I, what I was told I was getting in the store. Um, but either way, it, it ended up it ended up being fine. Uh, and it's a it's a better cell phone plan than than I had on my on my other phone. But the big thing is, um, you know, maybe it's new shiny object thing, whatever iPhone feels like a nicer phone than a Pixel. Step into the luxury of never having to think about anything ever again. Yeah. Like it's like, hey, once it starts slowing down because Apple was like, you've had that phone for too long. I'm gonna start making it's a break. And true. I walk back into the store. I went with my my partner's a big like Apple stan. I, like loves Apple products. Watches the little when they have. It's like. I feel like a like I'm a tech normie and I'm like, oh, are they doing a thing? It's like playing in my living room like I fucking work in an oh, office. Oh, a keynote or whatever? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I walk by the kitchen. My coworker boyfriend is like, oh, have you seen the keynote? And I'm like, I don't like getting my coffee from the fucking <laughs> Um Well, we all get ready to watch the Game Awards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Hey, baby, you want to go sell some plasma so we can buy the headset? Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That, that headset uh, was so expensive. I'm like, oh, it's going to be expensive. And then it was like double what I thought it would be. Um, he got the latest iPhone and he got it like day one. Like we went to the store to like get it. And the luxury, I, f- I just went with him. I'm like, I don't, I don't have, I'm not getting a new iPhone. I got one like two years ago or something. The luxury I felt standing in that line at the Glendale <laughs> Galleria or maybe not the Galleria, there wherever the, has the, if you're in LA, it's the one with the fucking fountain and stuff. It's not as nice <laughs> as the other one. Oh, but, I know which one you're talking yes, about. Yes. Um, standing in line and I'm like looking around and I'm like, so these are the other like Apple day one weirdos. And I'm like there with my brother and my, my partner, who's like the one actually getting the phone. And they were like, Oh, would you, would you guys like some waters? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I drank that water. Like it was, you know, top shelf champagne. I was feeling, <laughs> I was like, this is a luxury wow. that I'm dying to experience myself. Um, but I will have to wait several, several years to do that. But yeah. Um, like having an iPhone, it's fun. I know it's not as customizable and, Whenever I see features come across the other side, I'm like, can't wait for Apple to get that in six years because that's how slow it it's takes. It's come a long way, it's, though. And I, I feel like probably what you're experiencing, Rob, is that, you know, 10 years ago, it probably would have irritated you more the things you can't do. Over time, Apple yeah. has, like, begrudgingly adopted X, Y, and Z from Android that at this point, yeah, like, and they do do, like, UI, like, better than most or just, like, things. Are just I wish it integrated better do. with Google stuff. I think that's the one friction point I where really, I'm, like, the yeah. integrations mm-hmm. are still really, like, kludgy. But beyond that, in general, all the things, on like, it's, there's a bit of, that, like, that Apple pix, pixie dust where it's, like, yeah. the basic mm-hmm. functions that, like, your iPhone does. It does them a little bit better in a lot of cases than the Pixel does for reasons that are just hard to explain. I don't, like, for instance, I can't explain to you because I just, I don't understand it. Why typing with my thumbs on the Apple keyboard just works and it's fast and it's accurate. And with the Pixel keyboard, it's like constant, like, like mistypes. Like it can't, it it is constantly like reading one key over from where I think I'm typing. And the Apple one is just like dialed in. And so it's a weird thing where it's like 
this the one phone with the with a giant fucking screen that's like just colossally <laughs> huge you would think would be a good keyboard yeah i basically can't type on it <laughs> like i'm like okay i need to reply to that message time to go over to my laptop and type that out because <laughs> like doing it on this on this pixel is going to be really annoying and then like over thanksgiving weekend i'm on my I'm I'm a little iPhone. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to jot down a few notes on this game real quick. It's like, it's such a good little phone that I'm like, maybe I don't need to write everything in pen and paper. Maybe I can just like <laughs> open this little notes app and jot some thoughts down to myself. Notes app. It's good. I know this is all like, this is all like, dude, this is just the experience of like Apple products, but I've like, I resisted for a long time and now I'm like, Hey, it all just works better. Like <laughs> CarPlay. UX, UX Close is the doors off Android oh, Auto. Dude. It's yeah, wild. CarPlay's like that. Like it is uh, shocking to the degree that like making sure it had wireless CarPlay was directing the kind of car that I wanted. I was like, I don't like you, you can have your little UI like just please can when I walk into the car and I see it when I in my car for about half a second it's like it's like hey do you want to use like the Chrysler no, no. <laughs> it just goes to the car place I was like thanks they're uh, playing my podcast it's funny too like I don't own a car but whenever I like rent one or borrow one and it has car play uh I like I use Google Maps though, not Apple Maps, but even then mm-hmm. it still remembers where you parked, which is a fucking lifesaver for me, the person <laughs> who's like walking around the fucking parking lot with the beeper going like turn on the alarm again, don't know where I left you. <laughs> this okay, but this this fucked me up recently. Like, so yeah. that is a uh a temporary not temporary in the sense that so the phone like I I think it's using moment like the accelerometer to like sense momentum and then makes mm. a mark on what feels like a car coming to a stop and then measures that as a, as a park. Mm. And so one of the last times I was at the airport, I frequently will, it's cheaper to pay for like the daily long-term parking yeah. than it is uh, to like get all of my kids and all of their stuff into like a, an XL. And like, it's cheaper by like 40, 50 bucks. Like it's mm-hmm. annoying and like, it's cheap enough for me to like, I'll drop everyone off. My wife gets them through security and then I, I, I'll wheel the car back around and meet them inside the terminal. But I looked at my phone. I was, did the same thing Kato did. It was like, I, I cannot for the, I'm not going to remember what G5 is. I'm just not. So either I'm going to write that down or look, it's got that little marker. Well, we rented a car when we went to, this was in Seattle. And then the phone did what it makes total sense. Detected I was driving a car and then gave me a new marker. And then as I'm coming back uh, from <laughs> Seattle, I'm in the tram to go to the long-term parking. I'm like, where did I park that car? It's like, oh, I'll just look up in the map. So like it, it marked it. And it was like, bro, that was like 12 marks ago. Like you've been in the car a bunch the last week. And I'm like... Fuck. Oh shit! I don't. I have no idea. Am I in G parking? Am I in H parking? Oh no! And, was, and so then, in the dark, I'm like looking over the landscape of O'Hare Airport. I'm like, oh my god! I think it's H. And so it's like I just guessed. I just got out and then click. I I did yeah. the thing anyway. I was like click, click, and then eventually heard a beep. I was like, oh, it's way over there. Okay, well. I could have ended so much worse uh, than it did. It could. Well, because I could have been dropped off in a, like, 
half a mile away. Yeah. And, and the area the, the area where that parking stuff is, like a lot of uh, airport parking, it's not like there's sidewalks to go on. No. It's right. just it, like there's no good way to, to, to get there. I have no idea uh, how I would have I would have solved it. Um, Rob is currently trying to solve uh, an audio difficulty. So I will. I will take control uh, of the show. Uh, <laughs> a mutiny's happening. Kato, you and I, you, you and I, before the the break started, you and I played a little bit of Super Mario RPG. Uh, I'd point people towards uh, the stream that that Kato and I did. Uh, it was a lot of fun because we did an extension of a kind of stream that we've done in the past. Where what's the different versions? We played Dead Space and the Dead Space remake, literally yeah. front to back. Yeah, uh, I played the original. Rob played the remake. Um, what's the other game that we did that for? We've done it for another game before. Did we? The, or maybe maybe we came over that one. Either way, we played Super Mario RPG, the uh, '90s uh, SquareSoft before they were Square Enix uh, collaboration uh, with Nintendo. Uh, there is a a remake that just came out. It definitely goes a little bit more above and beyond being a remaster. It's not just a visual upgrade. There are definitely quality of life and and gameplay tweaks uh, and localization tweaks. Uh, to the game, but I played the new one. Mm-hmm. Kato played the old one, and if I remember correctly, Kato, like, you you had not had any experience with Super Mario RPG before, right? Like this was your your first time even playing the game. Yeah, not not specifically that one. I, I've always I've always somehow managed to touch at least the demos for a bunch of the uh, the 3DS ones that happened. The Mario, right, the Mario and, and Luigi, Luigi ones. Um, yeah, that was like familiar with the like. Timing the attack to hit the button, hit the button when the attack lands to get extra damage mechanic that seems to have originated, I believe, in, in Super Mario RPG. Or it's but, at least of that era. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know if, if Mario RPG is the actual, like, first game with the, like, tap the tap the button to get an extra attack or a bonus attack. But it's that's around when that starts cropping up in, in games, for sure. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to play the games. I did play Mario RPG when it came out. Uh, I really, really, uh, loved that game, but it was, so I was uh, deeply interested to kind of revisit it because let's see if that game comes out in, let's look this up. Super Mario RPG comes out. Well, now everything says 2023, which is not, that's not the answer I need. Um, 1996. So I'm, you know. Uh, May 1996. So I am I am 11 years old, and I think this is probably right around the time that I just got into RPGs in general. Right. Um, I can't remember why. I I don't remember a specific moment. It was probably because EGM was like really pushing, like a Chrono Trigger or a Final Fantasy three slash six. Like I mean, that is the era where uh, a lot of RPGs from Japan specifically were getting like I mean they don't really break out. Yeah. Into blockbuster territory until seven. But like we're becoming uh, like a mainstay, uh, uh, especially on the Super Nintendo. And so I remember playing Final Fantasy three. I remember playing Super Mario RPG. And I basically was like, kind of just grabbing like whatever RPG of this style that that I could. Um, but I couldn't remember like. Remember I liked that game. Remember I like Mario. Can't remember if that game's any good. And so it was interesting to revisit it now. They're like there's things that stand out so starkly compared to RPGs uh, today, like the numbers are low. And I know that seems really <laughs> yeah. like, like a very simple thing, but like you finish a battle and it's like, you gained two experience points. Two? Way to go. <laughs> two? Uh, like, <laughs> right. Like your health has started at 20 HP. 
And like the way, if you were to make Super Mario RPG two, yeah, like you would have two hundred and seventy eight like like you know uh, HP and like gain like eight hundred and fifty experience on the first the first fight. And and part of that is because Super Mario RPG was uh, I don't know how it was marketed, but I you definitely get the sense that it was a like, meant to be an RPG for folks who were more. The people coming to it were less familiar with RPGs than they were familiar with Mario. Right. And so you were coming to Super Mario RPG because it was trying to kind of train you in, like, how does an RPG play? What is the the, the different style? What is the slower pace? And I think that probably explains where the action part comes in, right? Where, like, tapping a button when Mario jumps to get extra damage feels like a very natural extension of pressing A to, like, press Mario to get to, to get him to jump. Um, it actually feels much better than any of the platforming that is present in Mario <laughs> RPG, which is like feels very bad yeah, to do. Like anytime <laughs> the character needs to like actually get from point A to point B through jumping, which is usually because of a bonus or like a secret that you're trying to find um, in the world. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel great. Like Square, you know, didn't necessarily nail, nail that part of the field. Yeah. But the I, I was surprised at how. I don't know how it holds up over, you know, 15, 20 hours or, or how long it takes to kind of work your way through that game. But I, I thought that combat felt pretty good, despite the fact that it's coming from, you know, something decades and decades old at this point. Like, yeah. what, did, what did you make of it, Kato? Yeah, I think it seemed pretty, uh, pretty fun. We didn't get super uh, deep into it, but I also think... I don't remember what, where we fell on this, but it, it felt like they lightened it a little bit in the remake, right? Like... Uh, you needed a few fewer uh hits to beat the um the like mini boss we both hit than I did, which was an, an interesting I, change. I think you get um it's one of the changes. I think I have this right. Yeah. Is that in the original, like if you tap you know the A button when Mario collides with an enemy, you get bonus damage. Yeah. Here, uh, like when Mario collides with an enemy, like his basic jump. Or even like with a hammer, which is like in the first weapons, you're actually doing AOE damage or you're you're impacting. Like there's actually like one of the changes to the remake is additional complexity to what you're getting out of like the timing. timing, Like there's there's like a like it's more binary in the original game where it's like you either nailed the timing or you didn't. Here there's like a good, better, perfect sort of system where you get different levels of a bonus. And so I don't know how much of the underlying numbers have been changed other than like they've. By by virtue of having different levels of rewards for the, how you're pressing it, you do. Yeah, I was getting through battles faster, even though fundamentally the battles seem to be set up roughly the same. Basically or the there same, was the, yeah. the instance of the uh, the frog coins, which are these green, yeah, uh, specialized coins in the game. That in the original, you don't. It's like a big moment when you get this frog coin. You fight right. the first major boss of the game. It's the first time that you're dealing with like, oh, they have a weakness. Like you want to use like a fire attack that like makes them that they're weak to and then like makes it easier to to, to hurt them. Uh, and you beat that and he drops like this frog coin. It's like, oh, this is going to be a special currency that I'm going to use to buy, I don't know, specialized items that are only sold with frog coins. Well, me, uh, I already had six frog coins because yeah. <laughs> like the game, the game's uh, the, the remake encourages you to play higher level enemies. And higher level enemies will uh, not only give you more experience, but also have a chance at dropping a frog coin. But 
the game, like, so by the time I get to that point, the game is also like, holy shit, you got a frog coin. It's like, yeah, man. Like, have you checked my bag? There's six <laughs> of them. So many. Like, I'm, I'm good. I, uh, so it's, it's interesting. Like the way that, yeah, that they've one was done a these weird kind of one. quality of life tweaks, but also having to rub up against to like the fundamental design of the original, the original game. That was, that was kind of a weird one too, because the, the, the bit where you meet that, your first like party member, right? Mallow or whatever. Yeah. Mallow? Yeah. That sounds right. Uh the whole bit is that he stole a frog coin from his uncle or whatever, or like a relative, and he ran and mm-hmm. then that got stolen from him. Uh so like chasing down your first frog coin is basically the the first real kind of like quest arc that you have, right? Um and it kind of like it feels uh, it weirdly def- like it d- deflates it a little bit when like oh they're just dropping from the higher level enemies that I can engage with, like in the new- in the new version. So it's like kind of an odd choice for that specific area of the game to do that. Um, and I'm like, I guess it's just like well we wanted you to be able to get to that whatever those things buy because we didn't even I didn't even get to really purchase anything. No, I don't think we got to a shop yeah. that was which makes sense because in the original game you wouldn't have only you don't had get one, one <laughs> until this point. Yeah. So why would there be a shop <clears throat> excuse me that you can use to to purchase? And there's all sorts of like I yeah. recommend folks check out the the stream because it was just interesting to see why where they chose to insert themselves like yeah. into the remake. Like certain stuff makes a ton of sense. Like there's a ton of tedious back travel, uh backtracking in the original game. Well, now there's fast. There's a ma- there's a map in both games. Yeah, <laughs> but the map in the original game. Do you like these pixels? Like, how you, how you feel? About Here's this where art? you are, right? <laughs> but <In> here, <theory. laughs> I can just jump back. Yeah. to like different areas. And from what I understand, because I don't remember the latter half of the game uh, at all, like there's a lot of tedious, like going through areas over and over again just to deliver an item that that you found somewhere else. And a lot of that gets easier in the remake. Or uh, there's like a very funny moment in the beginning where uh, in the remake, they uh, they explain how does a save point work. In the original, it's just there. It's It's just just a big ass. It's a block. You know what a save point is. You can interact with it (laughs) or not. And, And what's even funnier about the remake is they explain it and I don't have the, I can't remember the line of dialogue specifically, but there is a line of dialogue that amounts to, hey, I, we're saving all the time. That's just how games work now. Like you yeah. leave a screen and we save so that you don't lose a ton of progress if you die or there's a crash or something. And they're like, you can use these. Like it's the difference between an auto, like an auto save and a manual save, right? right? Um, and the game's like, I mean, like you can, like no one's stopping you. You want to save there? <laughs> Do it. Get your ass over there and save. <laughs> but like we're kind of taking care of you and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. And like that's just kind of funny. I I prefer that than then removing the save points. Because right. they're like a little it's a cute little graphic. But um it's just interesting, like the you see the increase we were talking about tutorials before, right? right. Like mobile games. There's a shocking lack of tutorialization. Well, shocking relative to how, how much tutorialization there is in games today. Right. And playing those two two versions of the essentially same game side by side you see just the level of uh like lack of that in the original and like these days like no we need to explain how this works and how that works uh that is just i think you know trend generational uh uh sort of uh, bits that are different from 1996 to uh to 2023 well, and then you end up getting oh go ahead well, i was just gonna say well i mean you know it had a book 
<laughs> These that's true. Fucking yeah. 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 That's with a fucking book. Why was that? That is so. <laughs> that's a great point. Like, that's a really great. That point. That is so obvious, but I never would have thought to point that out, Otto. Yeah, Pato. yeah like, you're. Yeah. They didn't need to include yeah. it. It was right. in a small manual that you would get. I this is reading up the, skills the in America have been plummeting because there are no longer video <laughs> no game longer, manuals. Actually, it was the thing to do after you got a game yeah. in the fucking car. You had to read. Give yourself motion sickness while you're reading the goddamn manual before you get home. Yeah. Um, and the like, kids yeah, aren't getting sick these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, except for magics, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no. oh. Uh, but like, I mean, you're right. A lot. A lot of this is like it's 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 in kind here. of just linked to the manual. Yeah. Um. And there is a there is a ton in here. But how to buy like buying and selling equipment that's not explained in the in the original entering a um, file name gets explained yeah. <laughs> secretly there yeah. was more tutorialization the hot take there's more tutorialization then than there is now like you don't get into the nuances of use the control pad and hit a to select the letter right no you're right they, they you're just right. have to do it um or, or, you know, and there's other small things that are that are interesting i forget what they call it if you remember kato but the uh they're called like so it's called action commands in mm-hmm. the original, mm-hmm. you know? and then it's called something else in the like they're, they're, they're like the localization is not one to one. No, there right. are times they they've were, gone in and they've uh, changed. What was the one? Uh, there was one name there's, that they there's, <laughs> Well, so there's one moment where you go to Peach's castle, <sighs> and then there's like a side room where you can go. It's like I I just clicked on like a like a like a vase, and it it was like hey. You found peaches question mark question mark question mark and someone tells you like put that away put that down and it's like what did I what are you saying I just grabbed what do you mean peaches question mark question mark question mark like my are you uh, call are you call Mario like a a pervert yeah like what exactly did I did I get and then in the remake there is like a butler or like you know kind of a equivalent in uh like a servant in in the room. And the item that you grab is that is that person's stuff, and it seems kind of heavily implied. Like, I don't know, it's like their Mario equivalent of marijuana. Like, like you just found like is like <laughs> you found their stash. Um, uh. Uh, oh, and there was another sequence where, in the original, in the first town you get to, uh, in, in Kato's playing the original, and you go up and talk to this kid. That's a, like people know who Mario is, right? right? Like they're like, oh, you're like, you know, the hero of of the Mushroom Kingdom. And there's this little girl uh, and it's like a kind of a toad town. Like, you know, there's the Princess Peach's, Peach's Castle and all these uh, the, the villagers are kind of like these different toads. There's this little girl and she's like, Mario, like, I can't wait to marry you. Like, like we're going to get married. <laughs> and like, it's like, yeah, it's not super creepy, but like viewed now you could be like well we probably wouldn't write it that way <laughs> and in the 2023 version uh treehouse and nintendo decided we're not gonna write it that way like n- not doing that yeah like take whoop like mario is gonna marry a kid like taking that right out of the game well it's uh, like and so it's like one thing when the kid like implies like yeah i would love to like the kid has a crush that makes sense but then the yes. parent nearby being like 
oh, right. like playing into it is the part that's crazy. Yes. Like, oh, yes. we didn't need to go that far. Like, yeah, kids have crushes sometimes, but that the the parent being like, ah, yeah, you ready for the, uh, a new princess, Mario? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Do I need to play this game? What's going on over here? <laughs> this sounds like a well, fever it's just, it's, Yeah, it's just it, like you know, it's it's like compared to Dead Space, for example, right? Like they don't fundamentally change much about the basic story, but I think what was really great about the remake of Dead Space was they like filled in not just blanks, but like elaborated on the existing story in really good ways. Like I, I think they're, they're, they both remain good games, but I thought the writing was just a really fascinating, well done expansion of that original, that original game. And there's something different happening here, right? Like it's it's it is not the same goal. Like the Dead Space remake was in many ways an expansion of the original game. This is yeah. just kind of modernizing it. But then you see these different, well, just cultural trends, uh, cultural changes, and like things that uh, we didn't view as icky back then, we view as icky now. And it's funny to watch that happen, even in a Nintendo game where there's just they don't make a ton of games where there's a ton of text, but when one of the rare games of that era in which they had a bunch of text, suddenly they're forced to to revisit it. And it's interesting to see where they pick and choose uh, spots to to modify it uh, because it, it kind of hits differently in, in 2023. But I do uh, love that they kept the the whole all of the bits where Mario uh, being a silent protagonist has to mime out what <laughs> what, oh, what is great. happening. And then, yeah, they kept yeah. It the same in in both in both options which is very good. Um, yeah, yeah, it seems cool. I'm, it's, it's, I, I'm like, have, you know, I need to get back to, I'm about to finish Mario Wonder. Uh, I want to finish, uh, like the Cyberpunk expansion and I want to beat Alan Wake 2 before I like do my game of the year stuff. So it's like, I'm probably not going to revisit this for a minute, but I, I really enjoyed the time that, uh, like the two hours yeah. that, that we played with it. And I, I think it definitely, I don't know if it holds up by whatever that means right. I, this is definitely a game i don't know how it hits for somebody that has if you don't have nostalgia for this style and era of rpg you know where how does this game land does it end up being too simple and boring i don't know but as somebody that played the original uh i think it wow there's i, I think i think it ends up playing pretty well there's spoilers in the in the manual for what they go through the like other teammates that you can get including the big one which is yep Mario teams up with Bowser. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> like, which well, does also, seem like a big deal, things. right? For the, for the like, time mm-hmm. of like, oh, wow, he's part of your team. That's a big twist. Well, here's something I love, too. Uh, so in the manual, you'll look at this. And anyone that's read a page of EGM is going to understand the difference here that I'm talking about. So these clearly look like they are captures uh-huh. natively from yeah. like in-house development software um, and Nintendo. And then you go here and from the manual. And this is clearly someone photographing a television. Yes. Oh, um, the classic. You can see this. The fucking scan lines. You can lines see the scan on, lines. Like, the like you can obviously see what it's trying to depict, but there's a clear difference yeah. in like what these two things are capturing. And, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure it's been written up somewhere. I hope it is uh like the diff- like the setups that like magazines like EGM had cuz they didn't have access to capture equipment. Right. And so they had specialized like camera setups and televisions and office spaces where they could take 
like high quality screenshots that gave the appearance of being like a native screenshot that was taken through some specialized software, but really was just them taking a fucking photo of a <laughs> no, CRT. CRT, yeah. <laughs> Rob, do we have you back? We do. We do. Um, <laughs> but I don't know for how much longer because there are warning signs that the dogs have run. The, the puppy has run out of good. Mm hmm. What do you want? Well, what do you want to hit really quick of a game you've played before we, we jump out of here? Uh, let's see. I, I think, you know, honestly, there's there's games I could probably talk more about next next week. Um, okay. But maybe like if we're ready to jump out, like we hit an email or two. Sure. All right. Uh, we got some we got some good ones. Uh, there's one that I just absolutely delights me. Uh, Daniel writes. Subjects like question inspired by Psycho. So ever since COVID, me and my fellow 30-something friends have been watching movies and TV shows together on a pretty regular basis. A few nights ago, we decided to watch Psycho because a few people hadn't seen it. And to my major surprise, those two people were also somehow unaware of the twist. I didn't know it was possible to avoid knowing this, which made the screening all the more enjoyable for me. Favorite line was, his mom killed the shit out of her. And I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised they didn't see the twist coming. Inaudible what? Was heard. I think the question, if you erase one movie from your memory and experience it again, has been done to death. So instead, I will ask if you could erase one movie, franchise, video game, or TV show from the minds of other people on the podcast, <laughs> what do you choose? For clarity, you would retain full knowledge of that property, but you're able to Ooh. make the rest of the podcast experience it fresh and enjoy their reactions. I don't know the twist in Psycho. I've never seen it. <laughs> That's incredible. I might have just spoiled it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that I, movie's old enough that the twist, like the twist, has fallen out of sort of like yeah. cultural right. osmosis. You right? see the stabbing right. scene, but actually, you get way less detail now about like what actually that movie is about. Right, yeah. right. People know what the shot, like the shower. Right. I yeah. feel like there's that, a shower. Like, image is there's the blood yeah. going down the shower drain at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Like that has to. Right. That's probably where my mind is seeing that image from. But apart from that, the context of the killing in that in that movie, no clue. <laughs> I think honestly, like. Well, when you say old Star Wars, that gets confusing. But I think people know what I mean. Older, like Luke, I, Luke, I am your father. I'd like to erase <laughs> that from y'all's minds, yeah, and then oh, have fuck. you go in. Because I also think, which is the question didn't have this, but I wish I could also erase that from my own mind because I don't know of anyone that existed well after that that didn't know about that twist. Yeah, like I I'm, knew that when I watched it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what would it be like to not? You know, I feel like that'd be fun. I'm literally watch, re-watching the original Star Wars with a friend who had never seen them. Uh, and we got to that bit and they were like, no, yeah, I mean, I, I everyone knows that line. Like, yeah. there's no <laughs> yeah, way to like... experience original Star Wars anymore as, like, from that perspective of being completely naive. Like, they hadn't seen any of it. They didn't engage with anything. But that yes. one... In- plot point has stood the test of time and being the spoiler everyone knows about those movies <laughs> well and then e- then even with younger generations right like i'm not hung up on a kid, a kids if they're ever gonna watch star wars gotta watch it in the right order but even like getting a kid to sit down like so much like what appeals to a, a younger generation is stuff where all of the like the spoiler is baked in to the plotting right you know what i mean like it's hard to work yourself backwards uh, in that way. So even if you've managed to avoid the spoiler, it's like, well, your appeal to Star Wars these days might be the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy. And at that point, uh, you know, you'd have to consciously make the decision to like, not know what's going on there 
so that you could start, you know, with the, the original yeah. films. And that's just increasingly difficult with the set. Like eventually, but eventually, well, I guess it depends on what happens to Star Wars. Like eventually that, that twist becomes like the psycho twist though. You know what I mean? Like right. modern Star Wars is never going to actually die. Like it doesn't matter how bad they get. Like they're going to keep making those forever. But at some point, probably closer than we're like willing to be comfortable with. Right. <laughs> like, like that twist becomes a twist again because it is not directly connected to the cultural experience of that property or somewhere else. Because I think and I don't know how long that lasts. Also, I feel like, like in about seventeen twist... years, which is the difference between when Psycho came out and Star Wars Ooh. came out. So, so, so yeah. in the calendar... I mean, seventeen years feels right. That does can, feel right. Can someone put in their calendar um, from seventeen years from now? Is the twist a twist now? And I don't know where we'll all be, but I feel like you know someone. I think beam that over to me. I think, unfortunately, we're doing the, you know, uh, fashion is cyclical. We're wrapping back around to where people are wearing the all the all the spoilers graphic tee. Remember that shit from a million mm-hmm. years ago where, like, oh. the big one is at the very top or, like, one of them is definitely I am your father. Um, so I think we'll too, get that like, as a reminder. <laughs> the reason that I don't think even in 17 years it'll be dead is because I think even outside of like, oh, well, the modern ones you have to know. So like, that's why we know. Like, I know because of like, which I know the Simpsons is, I don't know, maybe they'll never die either. <laughs> but it's like, it's gotten memed a lot. It got memed before meaning yeah. was a phrase. Yeah. So that's why I know. Like, I didn't know because like, oh, well, I had watched the prequel trilogy. And in that someone told me, like, this wasn't like when I watched The Matrix 2 without watching Matrix 1. And my brother's like, here's what you got to know. <laughs> so you can watch it. Um which I still need to go back and watch Matrix 1, so I have not watched that. But um, <laughs> I know. I watched 2 Hell and 3. Yeah. I never watched 1. That's what? incredible. That's yes. so good. Yes. That's, that's one of the most... Like, oh, look. What? That's one of the most chaotic things <laughs> I have that's been said on this podcast. That's going all the way back to Waypoint. Yeah. That is that you are at least on the top 10 <laughs> Thank you. most Watching deranged things. That's- without the first movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Because, which my brother now denies this fact, but I remember him saying that, no, the first one's boring, so let's just watch the second one. What? And he's like, he's like I never said that. Right, and he's like, I never said that. I know your brother he, said it, but I'm sorry, but that's he, also on the list now. He said he, he claims he never said that, so maybe I am misremembering, mm, but mm-hmm. I feel like if he didn't say, maybe he just thought I think it's boring, because I was a kid. I was like, I don't know, yeah. eight or ten or something. Like, maybe he just didn't think I'd get it or something. I don't know, but we watched two and we watched three. And I know a little bit of, but again, the things I know from one are the things that have been like in the general zeitgeist. It's like, okay, there's two pills. I think there's an office at one point. <laughs> That's kind of all I know. I'll be honest. And I'm like, which pills the what? Have pill, you seen? You know? he, here's a real chaotic thing. Did you see four? Did you see the one no, that recently? Yes, I saw four. It was so I, okay. Did you guys? I feel like you guys either hated it or loved it. I thought it was kind of bad. Um, I thought four was bad. <laughs> But here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know that you can properly judge the fourth one without having seen the first one. one? But with like it was like recut. It was like a super cut of the first one. And I was like, I guess this is what happens in the first one. (laughs) The first one. But that's the meta textual act. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. No. We all we all broadly really liked the fourth one. I think is what I remember. I figured y'all would either be like, I really am into this, or I think this sucks. It's like I've come back around. I've like I've decided on balance. I think the fourth one was kind of trash. No, absolutely not. The fourth one fucking rules. Disagree. But anyway, so. I've been kind of 
kind of because this came up on MinMax oh. as well, and I'm like, we have to make this into content, like do like a watch along thing. So I've kind oh of been God. saving it for like I feel like this could be content, which <laughs> might be right. like a toxic statement, but that's just that's where no, I'm at. That's it where happens. I get it. it happens. I get it. You, you try to do Look, something I like in your life, things, okay? You, yeah, you try to do something in your life, and then all of a sudden it's got to be like, wait, I have to record it, so we have to. Yeah, I'm like, what is going to watch this gotta, show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just you know start recording a podcast. Yeah, so. That's my unhinged thing. I um, <laughs> what if it like what if it you know? So personally speak, if I like turn it around personally, like uh, the Sixth Sense got spoiled me by some dirtbag kid who was like, "Do you remember that movie?" And it got ruined for me. And it's still a great movie, but the I never really got to actually. I never got to experience the Sixth Sense with any like form of purity. Sure, and it mm. fucking sucks. I love I love movies with good twists, and that's like an all timer good twist movie. But the thing that actually came to mind: this isn't a movie with a twist. But I, I'd love put my hand on, on, on Rob's head and I zap it. It's like, Rob, have you heard of this movie Master and Commander? Like, no. <laughs> What's it about? Like, well, you, you like ships, right? It's like, I love ships. <laughs> and then we're going to sit down and watch Master and Commander for the first time. And Rob's going to be like, I've never been closer to you, Patrick. Like I didn't, I didn't understand that someone could see me this way. And I'm like, I, I I'm, oh. I'm happy for you, Rob. I'm glad I could just. I, I found it in a DVD bin. You know, they haven't put out a 4K of that version of that movie yet. And yeah, I imagine. Feel like I should just keep. And the Blu-ray transfer keep, is very flawed. Yeah, I've heard. I, I feel oh, like I should no. just keep waiting until they do the 4K version of it. Um, but so Rob wouldn't know about the the oceans being battlefields. <laughs> Exactly right. You, I, that, yeah, I've never seen that movie. I know that the oceans are now battlefields, right? Like, <laughs> well, I've waited too long. That's my whole bit. I was like, I, I have to wait for the 4K transfer. Why would I watch a flawed right. Blu-ray right. version of, of this course. of this film? Why? Like, Why the movie that? is majestic visuals. Well, there you go. I think for me, like maybe it's just because we talked about this recently, but like, I'd actually love to like watch people watch alien without having any context of what's oh, going to happen. In that movie. That's a good one because it, it one. like it opens like it like 2001, like it's entirely inscrutable. Like it's not clear what this movie is going to be about yeah. or like what's going on. I'd be really curious to just like watch people go into this and they have no idea like about the alien or what it looks like, or what's going to happen. Um, I mean, I don't think I know anything about that movie. Sorry. What now? <laughs> I don't think I know anything about alien. About Alien, yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't think so. Like I'm think. I like. I mean, did I, you do you know what the Alien is? Mm-mm. No. N- n- hold on. You I don't, don't think know what so, a, right? Fucking like Alien vs Predator. It's in I know. I know the phrase the Alien vs Predator, but I don't know anything else besides like. At one point, there was Alien versus Predator, and I guess that was the thing. But I don't know. Anything you don't else. know what the Xenomorph See, now, looks like. Now that we just granted, we can just watch Alien again. We would just watch. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, we can't. I'm down. I, like, it was a, a Waypoint podcast. Now we have to re-record all of our content again with. We're called Matrix again. We called remap. <laughs> we are remapping things yeah. that have already been trod. But like we're Stop doing it. it with new context, new context, new voice, point of view, like. Yeah, other than like the like, like I looked up Alien movie and I see like the cover art. That's like what I know. Like wow, that's, I don't think I have anything else. Fascinating. No, Prometheus incredible. sounds very familiar. I don't know if I watched that. That comes up. Is great, this like a se- great? Yeah, film. I don't know Prometheus without Alien. May- I might have. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, that, that is when you're a kid. Oh, when you're a kid, oh, when you're a kid, 
you're a kid, so you don't have control over what you're doing, okay? Yeah. I didn't yeah. have yeah. This, no, yeah. very, this all good. the content was, you know, this is I can't just tab over. All the content came funneled, pre-selected. Right. The for you page, that was just my brother. Okay. He's like, This is this is what I brought for you. <laughs> this all plays on me. I calls. This, I guess so. I don't know. He's got yeah, he's like, I didn't I'd never said this. I don't know. Either way, you were there when it all happened. So I feel like that's something. My um the inverse of that is my my boyfriend's a really big fan of um is it a Christmas story? Yeah. And I had never watched it. My family had never watched it. And we got to the point with like the package and he was like, you know, already he's watched like a million times. He's like kind of like, you know, laughing it up already. And I'm like, I don't know what's in this package. And he's like, are you serious? You guys don't know? And none of us knew. And it was honestly the most exciting moment in media for me. <laughs> in ages. Just because we didn't like just the excitement of like, he's like, how do you not know this? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, I've never. And he like got to have that moment. And I, I had fun. So were you stunned when Ralphie there. shot his eye out? I wasn't stunned because I don't know. They were always talking about like, you're going to yeah. shoot your eye out. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew, I think a little bit about like the tongue at the, on like the mm-hmm. ice pole thing. Cause <laughs> I feel like that's been, and I knew, um, I knew about the coat cause that's been like kind of on the internet at some point, but that's all I really knew um, about it. So I was like, Oh yeah, this is like, and I'm like, Oh, this is great. Great movie. And he's like, yeah, I know. But anyway, I didn't know about like the lamp or anything. So then we had that. Then we had the lamp <laughs> discourse. Lamp. I was like, did she break it on purpose? Anyway. And he's like, what about the Fragile thing? I'm like, I just knew of that. I didn't know that was from that movie. Like I knew of that joke, but yeah. I thought it was just about the word that whatever. So basically, if you There's want a, a clean slate, I was born today. That I'm just not here for. Like the movie got overplayed, but there's been a backlash. People are like, I hate Ralphie. I hate that movie. And it's <gasps> no, like, no, what? We're not, so, we're not so doing good. this. No. Ralphie's a little bit of a shit, but a of a shit. it's that's fun kind of to a... watch. Yeah. Like, but that's like, that's part of the allure. <laughs> yes. <you> know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, God, is there anything you want to erase from people's? Remember? I was having a hard I was having a hard time. I almost landed on Alien before you said it and then I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. And now oh, now the wish came true. We can we can just do it. Yeah. I could just erase uh, what if I here, not even we wouldn't have to rewatch it. I'll erase uh, End of End of Evangelion from your minds and then you can pretend you never saw it. <laughs> no, because then at some point <laughs> someone's gonna convince me that I'm gonna have to <laughs> watch it again. Fuck. God. I haven't damn. seen that either. No, you just skip it and go to the movies. That's, That's all good. you gotta do. No, you're good. <laughs> You good, skip it and good. go to the. I want to well, erase Matrix rebuild. One from all your minds so that you can feel what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes another episode of Remap Radio. Uh, our theme song is by Two Mellow. You can check out his work at on twomellow.net. You can follow everything we do at Remap Radio on Twitch, Blue Sky, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. Once again, we rely on our audience for support. And you can sign up to become a backer by going to remapradio.com and following the links and instructions you see there. Uh, this week, we got some stuff happening. We got some streams. I didn't write this part out. Let me just see what's Luna, up. Lunas with Luna, like Luna said, the Kings Field alike. Uh, Kato and I are streaming. That will have um, happened already. Yeah, Kato streams some of the new Destiny uh, content while the fan base for that game slowly burns it down. Yeah. Um, well, some uh, articles Kato's going gonna, up. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, Kato, you're going to buy that starter pack in Destiny? That's what everyone's talking about right now. Um, but yeah, we're going to have some articles uh, going up and. Uh, Got some podcasts. We had interviews with the developers on Hi-Fi Rush and uh, Blasphemous 2 uh, that went up earlier this week. And uh, we'll be doing some some other stuff as we uh, head towards the other holiday uh, a couple weeks out from, from now. 
And we'll be back next week with another episode of Remap Radio. Until then, thanks so much for choosing to spend some of your time with us. And fuck capitalism. Go home. Go home.